Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo. Thank you once again for listening to the Outsider's Edge podcast. It's been a minute since y'all heard from us, but uh, we had to come back and give you some of this good stuff. It's your boy, Rance, a.k.a. Ray Cash. Before I introduce our illustrious guests, let me introduce my co-host, Kyle. How you doing, man? Oh, you know, man, I'm living that teacher dream here in sunny South Carolina. Yeah, so basically you're doing shitty, huh? Oh, yeah, you know, life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher dream basically means I save me, come help me. Um, let me introduce uh, the esteemed guests of the evening, the uh, the ace of podcasting, the guys from Keeping It Strong Style, Ichiban Number One, Jeremy and Young Boy Josh. What's happening, guys? What's up, Rance? Kyle, thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's finally time for the young boy to arrive. I am here. <laughs> This has been what, like six months in the making? It's uh, it's been a while. I, I think the last time I podcasted you guys was well with on was the SMC podcast a year ago. Damn. Yeah. yeah it was before my time. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah. Ago. That was when there was still Carl time. <laughs> I don't. Who's that guy? That was that was Caleb actually contributed. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not sure I know who that is either. <laughs> um, well, before we get started, uh, we've been on vacation or hiatus, if you will, for the past two three weeks. Um, a lot of stuff has happened. A lot of stuff has happened. So before we even get started, man, how was y'all's breaks? Uh, you know, I had a really good break, man. You know, um, I had enough, like, PTO saved up combined with holiday days to get, like, two weeks off of work. Oh, damn. Uh, so, yeah, I was chilling, watching a lot of wrestling. Uh, so, yeah, man, I was doing all kinds of stuff. What, what's the break? Oh, okay. So, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you guys I worked for the government, so I did, in fact, get a nice vacation. Nice. Is that still shut down right now? <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't work for that government. I don't work for that government. I work for the <laughs> Gotcha. So, um, while we were on break, um, two major things happened, and it's probably going to be the majority of the show today. Uh, before we even get to the news of the damn year, if you will, AEW, 
we got to talk some Wrestle Kingdom. And it's crazy because any other year when Wrestle Kingdom happens, that's pretty much the conversation for the next month or two. They didn't even have the space for the whole week. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Literally it's Monday, and Tuesday, it was gone. Yeah. Um, but Wrestle Kingdom. Before we 13. talk Wrestle Kingdom, let us here at the Outsiders Edge once again advocate for those of you that are going to watch Wrestle Kingdom. Purchase your shit legitimately. Support the things you like. Absolutely. My dumbass paid for 30, the $35 for the Fight TV version because I wanted to watch it on my TV. We support. Um, yes, so Wrestle Kingdom 13 just passed, and uh, Keeping the Strong Style already did their uh, review of it. I haven't listened to that because I wanted to get their opinions live on the air. But uh, I guess to start with Kyle, since... You guys have kind of already talked about it. Kyle, what did you think of it? I really enjoyed Wrestle Kingdom. I have nothing negative to say about the performances of the show at all. Um, I will only, the only real criticism I'm going to launch is for me in this day and age, five hours is too long for me to devote to anything. I got to break that shit up. I don't care if it's Wrestle Kingdom, WrestleMania. I ain't got five hours to just sit there and do shit. I don't have it in me anymore. Funny thing is, like, this show, I mean, I know you're talking about the first hour of the pre-show, but the main card was actually shorter than usual. Oh, absolutely. It was, and it was a great show. It was a great show. I just had to split it up into two nights of viewing instead of just one. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, before we break down the card, Jeremy, Josh, what you guys think? Uh, overall, you know, I thought it was another great Wrestle Kingdom from uh, top to bottom. Overall, it was a great card. There was a lot of great matches, um, a couple surprises. Um, yeah, I mean, can't complain. I mean, I was so hyped for it, and I thought it delivered. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you know, five hours is definitely a long time. But at the same time, I feel like I've watched three-hour shows that felt much longer to me than this did for me. I don't know why, but this show really did with the pacing and and the action. It I felt like it was like a two hour show for me. Like yeah, it, it kind of yeah, it had a quick pace. With that being said, though, this is what I wait for with bated breath and anticipation. So it's like it can't get here soon enough. So it's like it is the one show where it's really like that for me. You know. Fair enough. Um, but I mean, I think I've watched every Wrestle Kingdom live ish since nine. And I've, this is the one I've been the most excited for. So many great stories to build into this year's show. So many great stories. Which is kind of why it's kind of a, a bummer that they lost all the, I don't say steam, but, you know, they, they, they kind of got, they lost the interest of, I guess, the masses literally two days later. Well, I think... Um... You know, they, they, they ran into something you know, with the great exodus to WWE, um, and that kind of was the story, you know, coming out of Wrestle Kingdom was all the guys jumping ship, and they kind of turned it around, and so I do think that this is sort of like, like a blank slate. Obviously, a lot of the wind got taken out of their sails with AEW getting announced, um, but I don't think, um, you know, I don't think it's like a complete afterthought. It just depends on how they decide to follow up going forward. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I, New Japan will be fine. They've been fine. 
This isn't the maybe, first time they've lost people. Maybe not. I mean, personally, I, I, I think 2019 is going to be a great year for them. They have enough talented guys on their roster in their main event scene um, to kind of keep things afloat until they push people to the popularity of the elite in Kenny. Okay. Well, I've, I want to kind of run down the card a bit. I don't really want to talk too much about the pre-show match, but I do want to note that at least one thing of note did happen in the pre-show never six-man tag gauntlet was that Chase and Yujiro kind of turned on the Elite, and which led to them but eventually the joining The Elite kind of turned on Chase and Yujiro. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's set the record straight, yo. Yeah, Yujiro right. didn't do nothing wrong. You're right. Chase didn't do nothing wrong, and they got fucking jump zone for no damn reason. I, and I, shout out to Chase and Yujiro for being the poor souls who had to tag along. The um, they they pulled a Kevin Dunn moment where the camera kind of cut away, so I didn't even see if who got jumped or what happened exactly. Same here. But yeah, that was a New Japan decision. Obviously, they weren't actually you know the core group, and um, you know, luckily they're back with you know the OGs, so we'll see where it goes from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always thought it made more sense for Chase and Yujiro to kind of stick with the Tongans. I mean, Chase was considering himself an honorary tar- Tongan all year, so yeah. like, it made no sense to just completely just cut him off like that. <laughs> and like Thomas said, Thomas said, like, y'all was good. Y'all was always family. Y'all just shouldn't have did shit when we jumped him. Right. Like, nobody told y'all to come out there. <laughs> yeah, know your place. Um, I mean, we should all know our place is beneath the Tongans, unless your name is Jay White, because you've been appointed their leader. You know, like the new song says, ain't nobody realer than Gorilla, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but who appointed Jay White as the leader? Tama Tonga tweeted that shit out, and that makes it gospel. I'm the good, saying. The good guy. The good guy, Tama Tonga. The good, good guy. guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes, his New Year's resolution to be a better person. He's turning over a new leaf. Yes. He's even Yo, got... it's, it's one of my favorite things in New Japan right now. I'm not even going to lie. Tama is always one of the best things about New Japan from a character perspective. Yes. Like, whatever he lacks in the ring, he's entertaining as fuck. He's, he's very good in tag matches, though. He's a great tag oh, yeah. wrestler. I mean, his, but his brother's the same way. Like, they work well as a team. And there's nothing wrong with just being a team. But, but like, Tam is so dynamic in a tag team match that he'll make you, like, start to question yourself and be like, why are they pushing this guy? And then they push him. You're like, oh, yeah, that's why they don't push <laughs> this guy. <laughs> it's um, like the New Age Outlaws. They were both so charismatic, and you thought, oh, let's give them singles opportunities. And then they did, and it was like, oh, that's <laughs> Friday's a team. Yeah. Man. Um... Yeah, man, so the first match in the card was probably the one that I think most of us were, like, losing our minds over the prospect of, Abushi and Osprey. Um, yeah, man. This match, this match was, you know, lived up to anticipation. You know, on our preview on Keeping It Strong Style, we kind of uh, predicted that this match would be more of a strong style-based match than a flippy-do match. Right. There were still plenty of flips, but um match of the year candidate. I, um... You know, on on our show, we did the whole like in depth, like move by move, and like real in depth, like review on it. Um, 
you know, my my question is like, what what do you guys think about this? Uh, you know, about Osprey and and uh, Ibushi. And they might have gotten too strong style because Ibushi got his shit rocked. Yeah, like, for real, for real, rock. I I just love the prospect of Osprey, who has, while everybody acknowledges how great he is, has been criticized to high hell because people are scared he's gonna literally kill himself in the ring, and he's flipped that and said, "I right, well, I'm gonna stop doing that stuff to me. I'm gonna just do it to you instead." And then he went out there and he really did that shit. Like I find that a really right, interesting yeah. thing, like story turn to his character. I'll yeah, be like honest. This is one of the first times I've been interested in Will Ospreay as a character, because as a character, I've never cared about Will Ospreay. Yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, and I feel like Ospreay is doing something very similar to what the Young Bucks did last year. Uh, you know, the Young Bucks got a lot of criticism that they don't sell. They're just, you know, high-spot monkeys. They have an addiction to, uh, you know, high-flying. <laughs> uh, in all of 2018, all they did was sell, 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 sell. So same thing with Osprey, you know, everybody thinks he's a spot monkey, all he does is fly. So now he's being more aggressive and showing that he can do more than just high flying. I, I think that, to be honest, Will Osprey's had some really incredible story arcs if you're a fan of progress or if you follow RevPro. But in most major companies, specifically New Japan, you know, he's your your ricochet or your generic indie flyer guy who's just dynamic, but there's not a lot to go off of. Most of his backstage promos are just about how he's proud to be part of chaos and represent and, you know, go higher and try and all that. But like Kyle said, there's not a lot to really gravitate towards. Suddenly there's something to gravitate towards with this guy. Cause he's talking about, he's not the aerial assassin anymore. He, now he's the sky King. And now he's going to, uh, start taking matters into his own hands, and it's, he's not going to put his body on the line. He's going to put your body on the line, and uh, I really like that. I like that idea. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you're right as far as, like, in most major feds, Will Ospreay is your typical white meat. Um, I'm going to go out there and win because I love this sport so much, and it's like, that's great, bro. Great, but what you got beyond that? And now he's got something beyond that that I actually do care about. So, like, I, if nothing else, I'm really excited for that. And he's not going to be screaming as much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think the underrated part in all of this is I think sometimes a situation like that works fine for the character. But I think it worked perfect because Coda was the perfect guy for him to do that against. Yeah, it was great. You know, Coda is a pretty established guy in New Japan and – yeah, it was a perfect, you know, match and just platform to elevate Oscar. I think they had a lot to live up to with the hype and being the first on the card. I mean, that's such a precarious spot. Yeah. Um, and I think that they did a great job towing that line where they didn't ruin the card for everybody, but they didn't disappoint all at the same time. Um, I do, however, think that the card would have felt more full and complete had it been higher on the card in hindsight. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Because it's been, like, overshadowed now at this point by the the amount of great matches that were on the card. It happened so early. By the time you got to the other matches, it's like you kind of forgot about it entirely. Um, could part of that be, have been because of the finish? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it was a very strong finish, and it put Osprey over big. 
um, you know, the the hidden blade to the back of the head and then the the um, Stormbreaker. It was a very strong finish. I mean, if that match was put on, you know, third or fourth from the top, I think people would be talking about it a little bit more and be a little bit more memorable. Just that it was at the beginning of the night. And, you know, how often do we remember the opening match on a card? Yeah, I think there's an air of importance that comes along with your placement on the card. And I was all for this being first, you know, like I was open to the idea of it. So I wasn't crapping on it when when they announced it. But in hindsight, after they, you know, basically did three or four, you know, amazing matches at the top, it's kind of, you know, you kind of look back and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that did happen in the first match of the whole night. I had a teacher once who we were doing a competition and we were going on first. And he said, before we went on, he's like, shitty thing about being first is you're either the best thing they've seen or you're not. And if you're not the best thing they've seen, nobody's going to remember you. (laughs) That's not the best match of the night. Nobody's going to remember that opener the way that they remember the last three or four on the card. Um, Yeah. But um, let's let's move on from that match. I know the six uh, the six person match for the junior tags was second, right? Yeah. Um, Lij versus Rapongi 3K versus Suzuki Goon because those are, I mean, honestly, really the only junior tag teams they've got right now. You don't you don't count Tiger Mask and uh, Liger. I mean, I count them in the way that, like, you never forget about your grandpa because you love him and he's your grandpa. But, like, grandpa, you can't play with us no more. Damn. <laughs> like, not all the time. You, you can play with us, like, every now and then, but, like, not at Wrestle Kingdom. Um. Yeah, My I mean, big thoughts on that match are Bushi ain't do shit, but Shingo Takagi is a fucking star. <laughs> yeah, man. This match was the Shingo show. It was all about Shingo and getting him over and pushing him as uh, a top guy in the junior division. And pretty much he dominated the whole match. And pretty much pretty much he did most of everything. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was uh, disappointed at that because I was really anticipating them to kind of coronate Rapongi 3K at that point, you know? And they'd been chasing the titles for a whole year. And then they decided they're like, screw that. We're going to put over Shingo, which does make sense in hindsight. But, I mean, they really – they put him over, like, huge. And, I mean, he's a big enough star for them to warrant them to do that. It makes sense. But I didn't kind of anticipate them doing – like, sacrificing the, all those other guys at for you know for him, basically. I mean – if nothing else, that shows you just how highly they obviously think of Shingo, which makes sense because he's by far the biggest star um, that, in that match, and he's definitely one of the bigger stars they've got um, in the junior division, especially with Osprey seemingly starting to make that shift into heavyweight and with Kushida um, announcing he's going to leave the company. Like Marty's gone. Marty's gone. Like Shingo's a guy they're gonna have to build around. Unless unless Hiromu comes back, as we stand right now. Soon Hiromu. Even if you never wrestle again, get well soon, Hiromu. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But if if Hiromu doesn't come back, as we stand right now, a few months separated from his uh, performance, and he's had what one singles ma- match against a young lion, 
Shingo might already arguably be the biggest star in the junior division already. Yeah. Yeah. I, ex- I expect Shingo to have a very great uh, best of the super junior run this year. I expect him to be the star, whatever block he's in. Well, I'd like to get you guys' thoughts with the junior division, both singles and tag, as far as like what they're going to do. They've lost a lot of talent from their junior division over the last couple years. Like, what are they going to do to rebuild that? Just last couple months, basically. Like, last couple weeks, days. <laughs> yeah, I think right yeah, now, yeah. yeah, right now they need to kind of um, utilize their partner companies to stock up the division. So, you know, reach out to Ring of Honor, CMLL, and RevPro. Hey, guys, send us your juniors for a little bit until we can get some of our young boys graduated on excursion and come come back to be juniors. Um, you know, you got Kawato out in CMLL. Yep. There, he's somebody they can bring back and push. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, you know, call in some guys from Ring of Honor, CMLL, Rev Pro, and stack the Yeah, you know, Bandito's in Ring of Honor now. You can bring Bandito in, uh, bring Flip Gordon in, uh, John Gresham on the Rev Pro side. You know, um, you got um, El Fantasmo. Um, there's a couple other great guys in Rev he's, Pro. He's for sure going to be in the uh... – Best Super Juniors this year because he, right. he won that New Japan Cup or the British J Cup. Um, I also think that, and I don't know how many people would love this. Maybe they think it's too early, but I really can see them splitting up uh, Rapongi 3K sooner rather than later just because I, I don't know if it's time yet, but I do see them going that way. They've been pushing both those guys on equal levels for a long time because they don't want to bury either one of them. And um, they're going to go separate ways. One of the, you know, somewhat soon in the next few years, I would assume maybe even this year and they're going to be big stars. They, they're going to need to at least utilize them for singles runs at some point. The only reason I say, I think it's time is like, I know we just got done talking about how they're super, super thin on junior tags as it is, but like they've held those belts so many times because of that even in a short amount of time i think they've held the belts like three or four times even within the short amount of time who were pongi 3k yeah aren't they like four or five times i think they've they've only held it twice yeah oh see why do i think that they've held the belts they've had a lot of title shots and they've lost a lot of title shots maybe that's why i'm thinking yeah, after they lost the belts to Suzuki Goon, they had a lot of title shots in the year but, and lost them all. That that's why I was thinking with this match that they would regain the titles. You know, it's been almost a year long reign, but you know, and this match was pretty rushed. I mean, they got about six minutes, and everyone did. You know, I mean, they were up against it. They had to follow Abushi and Osprey. You know, the crowd was pretty enthralled. I mean, after that, you know, slobber knocker, and then. They got six minutes. They had to go out there and kind of put over Shingo. So this wasn't like – this wasn't anywhere uh, as good as the match that they had, say, back at Power Struggle. But it, all in all, for a six-minute match, it was good, and it, it did what it needed to do in getting over, over Shingo. Yeah. And, I mean, I know I say Bushi didn't do shit, but, like, I'm okay with that. Like, Rance texted me when he was watching the match, and he was pissed. He was like, man, Bushi ain't do shit in this match. I was like, dude, Bushi is <laughs> there to come out with a – Fire ass fucking outfit, stand on the corner and choke you with the shirt. That's, That's all Bushi's there to do. He's there to do a Bushi Rooney. Yeah, I'm gonna say, and the Bushi Rooney. Yeah. <laughs> Bushi Rooney and to spit the water when they announce his name. He did a really That's awesome it. spine buster. 
He did one really, really good spine buster. And I mean, really, in a Bushi match, can you ask for more than one really good, memorable thing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to say no disrespect to Bushi because I love Bushi and I stand for LIJ, but like, come on, man. Bushi trash in the ring. We know that. It seems like everybody in New Japan hates Bushi, so. (laughs) You know what? Everyone does, except for the fans love Bushi. Like, Bushi is freaking over like Rover. He's over, over. Because he's one of those people who might not be like super talented, but he's cool. Like, he's got some kind of cool swag about him. Right. He's like the New Age Outlaws. <laughs> they were, like, so over, and they sucked so bad. <laughs> something about, I don't know, man. I think it's something about Japanese and mascaras that I that I stand super hard for. Because, like, I stand for Desperado, even though fucking he ain't, like, hot shit. But I'm just like, hell yeah, Desperado. With Despy's, that fucking badass Despy's man. good. Yeah, given the right, you know... Despy's good. The right timing and, like, not too much cheating in his matches. Like, Desperado can be really good. Despy's in a totally different league than Bushi. I mean, like, they're light years apart. They both got cool masks, and I like them both, so I'll, I'll rock it. <laughs> Desperado's way better than Kanemura. Uh He's the class of the team, I think. He, he is That's now. Kanemaru, you know, is old. Uh... His no- what have you done for me lately, oh. man? What have you done for me lately? <laughs> but you know what? Talk about what you did 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, shit, 20 years ago, I'd be all about Liger and Tiger Mask as the tag team. 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sh- Shingo, like, is like a couple of pounds away from heavyweight. Dude, I think he's a heavyweight already. He's open weight. There you go. He's open weight. Yes. That's what he says. That's his gimmick. He's open weight. We can't define his weight, guys. Maybe he Um, identifies as a junior. Well, look, they brought him in for the junior for the for the junior tag league, whatever junior tag league, right? Yeah, the super junior tag league and uh power struggle tour. Yeah. You I I will say this though, I was disappointed. I was hoping to see Hiromu come and walk him down the aisle. Bro, so was I. I had a feeling. I was like, man, this is going to be the perfect night for him to make his comeback and to come out. And um, I thought he might have come out after the junior title match, but. They're saving it. Yeah. And But and he don't even have to, it don't have to be in, like, a wrestling perspective. Like Shibata did, just show your face. Right. Let yeah, true, know you're true. okay. There, come there's... to the ring, sit down, do the time bomb pose. And They're saving it for something. Yeah, I think that probably why they didn't do it was because, you know, this the new regime, they're so, you know, their their whole kind of goal of pay-per-views is to kind of get in that, like, four-hour window. And so this show moved so fast, like, there was really no time to, like, add in, like, anything, really. Like, they were just trying to get this thing moving and making sure it ended on time. I don't think that's it. I think they're just saving it. I don't think they want to blow their wad yet. That's a big, that's, that's a big moment, though. That's yeah. a big moment. Do you think Sho and Yo are going to stay together? Because Rocky just resigned. We talked about that. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. No, okay. you're good. My bad. It, it pays to be on your own show, doesn't it? <laughs> no, um, but we were just saying... We Duke the Rock can go full-time commentary for all I care. Him and Kevin Kelly have decent chemistry, and I, I like Rocky. Yeah, Rocky's our man, you know. But, uh, yeah, pretty much we were saying, like, we could we could see them breaking up show and yo this year to kind of fill out the junior division. I think Wait, so, are too. we Are we recording again? I never stopped. Oh, my bad. 
That's that's why I said Rance is a master editor. We never stop recording. He'll just splice it together in a way that makes sense. He said, "Well, I'm gonna pick it up with you know Boucher ain't doing shit." <laughs> so I'll make it work. I'll make I'll go through and make this work some kind of way. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know. Um, and we could this could be like an official start back, but I'm curious you guys' thoughts. Um, you may, I'm sure you've said it. I just don't remember it. What do you think about Charlton, Chris Charlton, as a commentator? Um, I think that he has really grown into the role. Um, he's getting with every show, he's getting more and more confident, and he does bring um, like an air of credibility. Because um, obviously, like Kevin Kelly is the consummate professional. I don't know if there's anyone in the world that's as good as him at what he does, especially in this environment. But the amount of knowledge that Chris Charlton has, he's like a, a young Mike Tanay at this point. He just um, he's not necessarily the most confident on the mic yet, but he's getting a lot better. Like every show, he's he's way he's light years from where he was. That's my only thing. I think he's extremely knowledgeable. I think that it's necessary to have a guy with that much knowledge of the history on the on the commentary team, but he doesn't seem like he trusts himself. He doesn't seem confident in what he's saying. Yeah, he yeah he's very nervous. And we we had the opportunity to interview him this past summer, and like okay. you know he's a wrestling fan. He's a big fan. He's a teacher, you know, in Japan and. You know, he's not like a broadcaster by trade, and so like all is, is new to him, and you know he's very nervous, yeah. and you know. And in fairness to him, in fairness to him, as as I'm not going to say New Japan's not the big league because New Japan is the big leagues, but unlike a WWE where they've got like a million developmental brands to like oh, let yeah. you get your footing and learn how to sure. be a commentator, they can't Tom Phillips him. And send keep him in NXT for like seven years while he figures out how to call a show, and then push him on up into the big time. And this plus, is a company where everything is the big time, so it's just like, here you go, man. You got to learn as you go. Good point. Yeah, and there's there's nobody in their ears really, pretty much directing them like in other promotions. It's pretty much Kevin Kelly like that will runs the show for the English team. Well. Also keep in mind that what they're doing is not comparable to like the the main broadcast team in WWE or something like that because this is the secondary language team. This is closer to like the Spanish announce table. Right. Where like none of us none of us really speak those other languages when WWE does their pay-per-views and they have the like eight booths with all those foreign languages. We don't know how produced they are. They don't have Vince in their ear either. We don't know. I mean, obviously that's the big leagues too, that's but we don't know point. how that come we don't know how that comes off to someone in Spain or someone in China. This is their secondary language team. The one the, the other thing that Chris does bring to the table though and he's really good at it is his translating of the big moments. And that is why, more than anything else, he is so needed for what you just talked about, Josh. He's yeah. a secondary language team, and he's fluent in the language of the promotion. As great as Kevin Kelly has been and Don Callis have been with, you know, giving you a general idea, his ability to translate and tell you what people are saying and what their messages are is helping us with the storytelling that we used to have to put together on our own. You want to hear something weird? Kevin Kelly was on uh, Post Wrestling with Chris Charlton. He was on Chris Charlton's podcast. Uh, Kevin Kelly said he's been pushing for them to do a split commentary team one night 
both Japanese and English, where it would be him, Chris Charlton, and Milano, because Milano can somewhat speak English, and Chris Charlton's fluent in Japanese, and Kevin says he's picking it up too, to where they would like literally do the whole the whole entire broad not every night but like he's like maybe on one of these road to shows where he's pushing for it. he said he's he wants him to try it out where they do bilingual one table which sounds so freaking weird yeah <laughs> but that would be super interesting because the one thing that the japanese commentary brings out is they bring that emotion in everything they say excited. so yeah. excited yeah especially milano dude milano gets into those matches man <laughs> Um, it's like when you're watching soccer and soccer's best watched in Spanish because the goal... Goal! No, 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 no! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time on this next match, and I know Ishii is y'all's, y'all's boy, but, I mean, what happened had to happen. I found it funny that uh, Zack Sabre kept going after Ishii's neck, but he doesn't have one. That was funny to me. Um, but more interesting to me, more than the ref for a British heavyweight title being defended is... Why didn't they have the Ring of Honor world title? Because Ring of Honor is irrelevant. I'm not even going to shit on it this week. It's so irrelevant. I think the thing is, in 2018, we saw the partnership between RevPro and New Japan strengthen. And we saw a lot of New Japan stars go over to RevPro this year. You know, Ishii was there all year. Suzuki, Sabre, um, Taichi was there at one point. Rocky Romero, Sho and Yo. So we've, they've been doing a lot more stuff with RevPro this year. And the Rev Pro Booker, his name slips my mind, but he's done a great job of making the New Japan guys stars a part of the storylines and making them relevant and getting them over as stars. And so, you know, they're almost like a part of the Rev Pro roster and, you know, a big part of the Rev Pro promotion. So they're, they're utilizing that New Japan partnership better than Ring of Honor is. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I if I don't agree with that, I know Kyle does. <laughs> <laughs> And Ring of Honor ain't shit right now. Cause you see, all it, on my shit list. The thing with Ring of Honor, normally when Ring of Honor would do their title matches, it would be like two Ring of Honor guys, and it would kind of fall flat in front of the Japanese crowd because they had really they know these guys or care why they're fighting for the belt. Yep. See, Rev Pro utilized two New Japan guys. I mean, Saber is both a Rev Pro and New Japan guy, but they they utilized two guys that have, were pushed in New Japan all year to defend the Red Pro title, so the Japan crowd was into it, and it worked out better for the show. The the other thing, the too, is... is uh, uh, the difference is, though, is Red Pro still knows how to tell stories. I've been saying this for months on the edge. Ring of Honor don't fucking tell stories. They just throw guys out there. They have them cut cookie-cutter bullshit promos in front of the Ring of Honor logo, send these motherfuckers out to the ring, and then lather, rinse, repeat. They don't create any kind of story for you to latch on to. In all honesty, I don't watch enough Ring of Honor personally to speak to that, so I really wouldn't know. But one thing I – I think one reason that I know for sure that the Rep Pro New Japan uh, partnership is working is when Suzuki as well as Ishii won their title, they carried it to the ring and it was like a center prominent like story piece basically that the champion is here. Um, Whereas like – you don't really see that like with Ring of Honor, like when guys when ha- in the past have won titles from New Japan or vice versa, it, it doesn't become this big prominent thing. They're short-lived reigns. So I just I think it is what Jeremy said, like New Japan's done a better job and Rev Pro as well have both done a better job of 
emphasizing one another's strengths and displaying, you know, make basically putting each other over. Whereas like this year, Ring of Honor, the one criticism I will say is with New Japan, they bring guys into pop shows, but that's all they're doing with them. They're, maybe that speaks to what Kyle's saying. They're not telling stories with New Japan guys. They're bringing them into headline shows in one-off matches that just pop the, the house show or pop the, uh, you know, the, the, the viewing numbers, and that's yeah. it. And there's no, there's no importance that, to it. And I put that on Ring of Honor management. I put that on Ring of Honor management because New Japan's willingness to send their guys to Rev Pro and to make them this big part of Rev Pro tells me that New Japan is willing to be more active as a working partner and that Ring of Honor management is not taking proper advantage of that. Yeah, like honestly, if I was Ring of Honor this year, I would be putting the world title on Zack Sabre Jr. and utilizing that Sabre is going to be good, doing more ROH dates this year. And and that's the interesting thing. If they wanted to run a Ring of Honor world title, Marty Skrull's still there. Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, and so you could have run Skrull versus Lethal. Juice is gonna do more. Juice is gonna do more Ring of Honor dates this year. Fucking, we. I've been saying David Finley needs a change of scenery for a long time. Excursion. Let him go to Ring of Honor and do a little mini excursion where yeah. he he he, he has it over there. Yeah, Finley is going to Ring of Honor this year. He has a match with uh, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams coming up at their TV tapings this weekend. Also, him and Juice are doing a rematch with the best friends at their pay-per-view coming up. Yep. Um, Y'all are wrong. Yeah, Y'all missed it. it. He, he had an excursion. He worked like three weeks he in did? CMLL. Oh, my bad. You're right. I didn't know. Right. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> they brought him back. He spent in Mexico. They, they brought him back. He's ready. He's good to go. <laughs> By the he way, got, listen. He's the C-Black champion. He got two he's the C-Block champion. He's the C-Block champion. He got two pinfalls in the first match of the night. For one night, he was the winningest wrestler in all of New Japan. This man's been getting pushed to the moon. I don't know what you guys are talking about. We're tripping. We're tripping. And, and you know, I forgot Hot Sauce is with Ring of Honor, so, wow. Yeah, that's somebody I hope they push. I I'm like, I'm, he's excellent, but I forgot he they works there. push everybody, Jeremy. Right now, they've got to push all they got because... Now that the elite guys are leaving, and we know SCU signed with AEW, which tells me they're probably going to leave too. Like, who the fuck they got? They got Jay Lethal. Well, they've got douchebags in the tag titles, and then best friends and nobody. Okay, well, actually, in in all fairness, they've made some pretty big signings in the past few weeks. I don't know that it means that they're going to utilize this talent well, but who they've gotten over the past few weeks? They got Bandito. They got Jeff Cobb. They got Mark Brody Haskins. King, Mark Haskins, PCO, and then they got all these these New Japan guys coming over. I'm not ready to throw the towel in on Ring of Honor yet. Sure, but the only issue is, and God, I didn't want to turn the Ring of Honor conversation. All five of the guys you mentioned that they signed, with take away Jeff Cobb, because Jeff Cobb legitimately has star potential. Does other four guys, do you see any of those four ascending to world championship, top of, top of the card, top guy status? Not saying they're not talented. Bandito's Brody amazing. King. Brody King's really good. I know he is. Like they debuted him as Marty's lackey, which worries me. That bothered well, me too. Let me think. Marty's probably not going to be there after his contract expires. He's either going to AEW yeah, or he's going to WWE. He won't. I yeah. fully expect he won't be there when his contract expires. But even so, the fact that you've got Brody King coming in and as much as they could do with Brody King. 
to bring him in as Marty's lackey feels Feeling like a waste of opportunity to me. Absolutely. Well, the thing they they are a tag team on the indies sometimes, and I think they they have like one of the Australia tag belts. So I think they were trying to capitalize on that partnership um, and bring that on TV. Um, but I do kind of agree with you. Like personally, I would have kept Brody King and PCO separate and create them as separate kind of main event guys. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I I made very certain to give a disclaimer. I don't know if they'll utilize this talent properly or not. So I'm not gonna sit here and defend anything they're doing. All I'm saying is, they signed a lot of good talent. The jury's still out what they end up doing with that talent, but you know. Look, I'm still gonna go. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I'm not gonna go. When they do the shows in Concord, Concord is 90 minutes from me. When oh, this man's tripping. <laughs> three hours from me. I'm gonna still go. <laughs> I'm gonna still go. I'm just going to point out the bullshit when there's bullshit to be pointed out. Yeah, they're they're actually coming to Lakeland, which is like 30 minutes from us uh, next month, and I, oh, I want to nice. go. Is Kenny nice. going to be there? <laughs> Last time I went to Lakeland, Kenny was there. Is he going to be there? <laughs> I, got, I, I got news Last for you, Josh. I went to Lakeland. <laughs> Last time I went to Lakeland, the Broken Hardys faced the Young Bucks in a ladder war. Damn. Okay. Um, we didn't really and with talk- that, yeah. Zack Saber is your new champion of the British. <laughs> because what time is it, y'all? What time Zach is it? Zack Saber time. I, I I was looking at the actual time. I was like seven fourteen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come over here. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of come over here, segue to another match on the card. Randy Rhodes, if you need a sassy gay friend, come over here, boo. I am here for you. What did you guys think of Cody and Juice? Because that was that was very clear. Cody is really reveling in this. I'm gonna just do a bunch of fuck shit in my matches just because I can, right now. Like I get the point. I like that they've cemented the fact that he's done with Cody. Juice is done with Cody, and he's put him down with the two. Uh, What's it called? Pump frictions? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I like that. It, but, man, like, that that wasn't a pay-per-view match, bro. There was a lot of things working against this Juice and Cody match. They only had, you know, nine minutes. Cody's knees destroyed. They had to get all the Brandy, Smoke and Mirror stuff fit in there. This, they didn't have to. Well, they she has chose. a bionic collarbone, bro. That's, they had they to. They had to because her outfit was on fucking point. We do not respect Randy Rhodes on the Outsiders Edge podcast. I agree. Don't stand for it. I, I think uh, our friend Rich Lana says she looked like a bag of money. She did. <laughs> she did. All the money. All, all of it. All the, all of the cons money. Yeah, it looked like a bag of con money. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the th- the deal basically is like you've got two guys who they they're capable of having a better match. We've seen them have a better match in the past, but you know it's it's a big spot and a big card with a guy that's hurt with a crowd that maybe isn't pro. They're already not pro Cody, yeah. and they're trying to put over Juice as hard as they possibly can after following all those great acts, and then it, they were just in that death spot basically. You know what I mean? Um, and, and it also felt like. That was the one match on the card that felt like it didn't need to be on there, but they forced it on because we have a title. I, I was glad yeah. it was on there, and I think 
I think if if I do think a lot of it, I don't want to make excuses, but I think Cody is like hurt way worse than people are realizing. Like he's Maybe. he's from what he's saying, he's not supposed to be walking on his knee. And it feels like they're getting to the point where he might need surgery. And that match kind of proved it to me because he didn't seem like he could do anything. Also, that the, the, as someone who's recently had major knee surgery, Cody needed surgery a couple months ago. Yeah, he was like, supposed to get based he on the injuries he's reporting. He needed surgery a while ago. Yeah, he was he should have gotten surgery before Final Battle, but he wanted yeah. to be at Final Battle and at Wrestle Kingdom. Him, him like I respect that, but like, nah, bro, look out for yourself, man. You're only 31 years old or 32 or 33, something like that. Like, make sure you can still walk. What I, what I um and and you're absolutely right. You know, health comes first, but I think he wanted to a be on Wrestle Kingdom for probably the health of his company that he's about to launch and the hype, but b also to do the favor for Juice, uh, because Juice has that very close special relationship with uh with Dusty. There is that connection there, and I think it's important to him to put over Juice in a strong way. And I mean, look at the match. They had a, a very short period of time, and they had to literally do nothing but smoke and mirrors because I don't think Cody can go right now. I think Cody shouldn't even been in the ring, really. Yeah, I, I think we all agree on that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but speaking one more one more thing um, before we move on to I guess you could say like the four major matches. We didn't talk about. Did we talk about the heavy tag match yet? No, we, we skipped the tag match. Skipped it. Uh, we skipped it. I just saw an opportunity to segue to I love you. You want to talk Rhodes. about Brandy? Wanted to talk about Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> There's never a bad time. I'm the only one in the group that's not sexually attracted to Brandy Rhodes. Nobody would be upset if I brought her up. <laughs> See, next level thinking. Yes. Like I'll bring her up. Y'all can all ogle over how hot she is, and I'll just ogle over that style game because she's fierce. <laughs> That's how I feel about Kota Bushi. Kota <laughs> is here. Kota is here. Like, I'm a little bit jealous of Kenny. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit jealous of Kenny. You you, you know what my dream social suplex uh, show is? Ricky and Josh? Josh and Ricky for an hour and a half talking nothing but fashion. That would be the greatest thing ever. I would but die. Fashion? I'd pop. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Oh um, my! You guys can't see us right now, but I just fell off my chair laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, man. So God had to defend against the Bucks, who just walked their ass into the match, and Evil <laughs> and Evil and Sonata, who won the World Tag League. Yo, um, they they literally did just walk into the match. <laughs> no, it wasn't properly. And are just like, we in this match now because we're us. Right. All right, and, Matt, you think your paper mache back can handle that shit? Speaking of the back, speaking of the back, I hope every Tokyo Dome for the rest of time until eternity, somebody body slams Matt on on the ramp because it is the funniest thing to me ever. That like you know it's coming and you know he's gonna have to sell it for the whole match. That's hilarious to me. Do you think AEW is going to run the Tokyo Dome? Hey, well, if 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 Jericho apparently <laughs> <laughs> if Jericho can do the double duty, you don't think the Bucks are going to go back and do one more show? I think they want to come back and do lots more shows if possible. They they don't want to give up that New Japan money. 
telling you, man, they know better. Yo, man, toy companies got big pockets. Absolutely. Uh, for speaking of the match, um, I guess with the whole Lij Suzuki Goon blood feud continuing, uh, Evil Sonata was the right choice, but did you guys think the right team won? Yeah, I predicted Evil and Sonata to win the World Tag League and win the belt at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, in 2018, it felt like their plans at the beginning of the year were to establish establish Evil and Sonata as the top Japanese tag team. Um, and those plans got kind of got derailed when Evil got injured, and then they lost the belts to the Young Bucks, and then now they went into singles roles. So I think they kind of want to kind of do another stab at the plan. World Tag League have won the belts again, and I think at the beginning of this year we're gonna, we're going to see Evil and Sonata established as like the top uh, Japanese tag team. You know, I I never have any faith in them when it comes to their heavyweight tag division. Even when they have good matches, even when they have good teams, it's just not an emphasis in New Japan. It just yeah. really never is. It's not coherent. The booking. Look at the booking of the World Tag League this year. They let the Bucks just walk into the Tokyo Dome match. Stuff like that happens in New Japan when it comes to tag team wrestling. So, I mean, I really couldn't tell you what the right decision was. I tried to get cute in my predictions and said it was going to be G.O.D. because I thought it was the outside pick. But I thought it was too blatant and too obvious it was going to be L.I.J. But they they took it just like they set it up. So that makes sense. Going forward, I have no idea. The only thing I do see is that it elevates, for now, it elevates... uh, Evil and Sonata, and with so many guys walking out of the company, these are two of the best talents who have main evented in the past that they have. And when when that eventual day comes, and it's going to come when LIJ does break up, both of those guys are going to be poised to do big things in New Japan or outside of New Japan. Yeah, because yeah, there's, there's people interested in Sonata. I don't know if you guys know, WWE really wants Sonata right now. Yeah. And you know what, man? They'd take evil if they had to. That entrance is real fucking cool, and they could do shit with that. He was he was trying hard to make that shit work, though. Like, the, 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 the damn fan thing wasn't quite fanning right. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, and evil... The answer to your question, Rand, yes. is... I mean, let me preface by saying the right team won this match, but the answer to your question, Brother Rand, <laughs> is obviously no, because the Tongans didn't win. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle knows how things work around here. All difference to the Tongans. Like, yes, the right team won, but no, because it wasn't Tongan. <laughs> Do you think that they're gonna go on a uh, like a storyline through this first half of the year where Tama tries to be the good guy and it, it just keeps screwing them, and then he has to go super evil and re- revert back to his roots to get his killer instinct? Look who the, look who the leader is. Of course, it's going to happen where he's gonna turn back ultra evil. No, no intended. Obvious, obviously, this whole thing is like some sort of weird front. Like, like it's so disingenuous. It's hilarious. Yeah. It I really is. No, man. It's their mob. Ver- it's their version of the mob cleaning company. Like, no, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I run a sanitation business. <laughs> and and for the record, Evil and Sonata versus Saber and Suzuki ain't a bad match. I, I'm in, I'm here for that. Oh, Suzuki and uh, Zack Sabre are an excellent tag team. Have you guys seen any of their matches over in Rev yes. Pro? Not in Rev Pro, but I did see – I've seen a couple of their matches in New Japan. Most oh, that's notably, right. They've had, they've had some. I forgot. Yeah. Most well, notably, it was the Ishii and the Okada match in uh, Long Beach. 
the the match they had with CCK and the match they had with uh, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven, amazing stuff. Like, yeah, I'm here for that match all day. And for, and look, from for my from from for my guys in New Japan, I want to send a PSA from your boy Ray. If you're wrestling somebody from Suzuki Goon, please understand before the bell rings, you will be jumped. Why are you shocked every time this happens? They're just always just standing there just looking. Like, you know you're going to get jumped. Death, taxes, and Suzuki Goon jumps before the bell. Oh, yes, exactly. And uh, I guess we could use this moment to say uh, well wishes on his retirement to Azuka. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Get the... Damn! (laughs) Can you show respect to a legend? This is me respecting a legend. I'm respecting the fact that I don't have to watch this ass no fucking more. Dude, that was the best news I broke that day. <laughs> Y'all are horrible. No more Iron Claw. Oh my god, I can't Horrible wait. people. Horrible They're people. Fighting people and shit. Like, nah. Uh, uh, thank you. You know what's gonna be hilarious? When he's like doing commentary. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Put the in his hand. He's yeah. holding the claw doing commentary. He's going to replace Maccabee. He's, He's going to be, like, totally normal, though. He's, like, going to be, like, like, a normal guy, like, not doing the whole monster thing, just being, like, doing commentary. <laughs> you know, speak, speaking of the Tongans, there was discussion about keeping a strong style, possibly doing a live podcast during their block party. What do we say if that becomes a reality? Do it! Yes! <laughs> Tell them that the Outsider's Edge and the Social Suplex Network show all deference to the Tongans. <laughs> they are right and we are wrong I'll fly my ass to New York for that hell yeah <laughs> um, uh, so this is the portion of the show where we fawn over how amazing Kushida is praise be to Kushida I also want to fawn over how awesome Taji Ishimori is I'm a uh, soldier is real good I'm like in mourning though already. It it I, is it is sad, but I will say this: if he had to go, at least they finally gave him the Tanahashi match. Like every time I think about him leaving, I just hear like, um, no doubt, like don't speak. Like I just think about like me and Kushida, like <laughs> we used to be together <laughs> every day together. <laughs> Josh outside really in the rain feel. with the shirt open and the wind just flapping in the shirt, just screaming into the... I feel the- like I'm losing my best friend. I can't <laughs> believe this could be the end, guys. Like, I'm sad. Oh, man. Whereas you're sad, young boy, whereas you're sad, I am optimistic because I worship at the altar of Kushida and I need him to go be a star. Well, before he's a star, he's going to run this Largo loop. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> gonna... I will take my ass to Largo. Ah, you know how fast I'll get the Largo loop? I'm going to watch Kushida walk, wrestle uh, Dan Matha in the opening match of the Largo loop. I'm no, what's here guy? for it. I'm, I'm a... here for it. I guarantee you some Thursday night, I'm going to be at Minreg Hall in Largo, and I'm going to watch him... Freaking hoverboard lock, Luke Menzies. <laughs> Kushida and Stacey Irvin. Yeah. Yo, that Stacey Irvin dude looks raw. It's fine, man. 
Because I'm here for it. Because it'll all end with Kushida and fucking Ricochet headlining a takeover. Or some yeah. crazy other combination like that. That's funny, dog. Yeah. That's so, funny as hell. I'm very curious to hear both of your opinions on this match. Because uh, the young boy, like, snapped off on this match on our show this week. So I, I want to hear you guys' take on this match. Brother Rand? <clears throat> I am... <laughs> I maybe I think my hopes are too high. Um, I enjoyed the match. I don't want to say that it was bad by any stretch of the imagination. It was a really good match, but I expected like to be blown away, and I was left after the match like, oh, okay, that was it. Um, I man, I wish I could give you more concrete, more concrete analysis than that. I just I I think that. I don't know, man. Maybe they just maybe the chemistry was off for me. Let let, let me ask you this, Rance. I know you don't do the whole star ratings thing, but if if you gun to your head, you had to do star rating. What would you give that? Three and three quarters, four maybe. If I, it it, it I can't go over four. I couldn't go over four either. Even though while we're on the subject of star ratings, fuck star ratings and fuck Uncle Dave. Let him know. Uh, anyway, no, I couldn't go over four either, but it wasn't the worst match I saw on the night, so, like, I left okay it with it. It wasn't a bad match. It just yeah. wasn't what I expected. It, it was a match that could never live up to my expectations, because I think so highly of Kushida, and I think so highly of Ishimori, that, like, it was never gonna live up to my expectations. I will say this, though. This, I will say this. The junior title match in recent Wrestle Kingdoms have really kind of I don't want to say stolen the show, but it been excellent. So it had a lot to live up to. Yeah, and I think that's where the disappointment came in this match. You have a guy super talented in Kushida, another super talent in Taiji Ishimori. Um, you know, these guys have amazing matches, and the junior match is usually one of the best matches on the card. So there was a lot of expectations for this match, and it kind of fell flat. Now, I don't, it, I wouldn't say it was a bad match. I, personally, I think I gave it like three and a half. I thought it was a good match, but that match should have been way better than that. And with that, I'll let Young Boy give his opinion. Oh, no, nah, it's okay. I don't. I don't want to do a whole hot take fire because I like I did that on our show, and guys, I I mean like I really fired off because I I got pissed, and um, the reason I got pissed, and I'll just make it very short. It's it's what Kyle hit on. Um, the expectations for this match were really, really, really high. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and say it was the worst match on the show. By all means, it was not the worst match on the show. Obviously, Cody and uh, Juice. Ju- Juice. But I kind of give Cody and Juice the pass because it's like they went out there and tried their hardest to have the best possible match that they possibly could in the amount of time they had. And there's no way you could tell me that Ishimori and Kushida went out there and gave us the best performance that they're capable of. The other thing is what you said, Rance, is like this th- This match usually steals the show. I honestly – I know that you guys aren't big on star ratings, but if I had to give it one, I, I couldn't go higher than 3.5. I that I didn't think it was a, even a very good match. I just thought it was an okay match. And with Kushida leaving the company and that being his last Tokyo Dome ever and us fawning over him and loving him for all these years – he deserved so much more than that. And for this big 
show that every on paper looked like it was going to be an all-time classic for for the one match where a lot of people are like, oh, it's my sleeper match of the night, you know, and then it's not even one of the four or five best matches of the night. It didn't deserve to be that high on the card given the type of performance they gave us. And everyone seemed to kind of give them the pass and be like, oh, it's fine. But it, to me, when you have two of the best workers in the world who are never going to wrestle again, you give them one big stage and then they have a uh, just a mediocre match, it's not fine. And I was very, 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 very disappointed. Okay. Well, number one, young boy, never be afraid to spit your fire on the outsider's edge. We have a whole segment devoted to spitting your fire. Um, <laughs> But number two, in hindsight, we I know we touched on it briefly when we talked about the opener, but in hindsight, I think it would have been better to flip those matches. To have this be the opener with the star power that Kushida brings and the prestige that the junior match has and to let um, Ibushi and Osprey have that spot because that match ended up being so fucking good. You want to talk about unprecedented, though. Opening the match with the junior heavyweight championship? Yo, man, hot open. I know it's not a New Japan thing, but it would be a hot open. Well, here's my question for you, Josh, because you seem to be the most offended, so for lack of a better term. I think I'm it. like the most offended person that's out there. I, I don't hear anyone else freaking out. Like, And I'm not even free. What I meant was like, I don't want to take over the podcast with a 20-minute segment. I got you. Because that's what I did on my podcast. <laughs> no, and I understand. I appreciate that. But I do want to know, what do you think was the disconnect? Do you think that Ishimori just wasn't up for the game? Do you think Kushida was already gone mentally? Do you think they just didn't mesh well? What do you think I, it was? Oh, no, I, I really don't know. I mean, um, it could be any number of things. It could have been the, the way the match was laid out. It could have been, like you said, Kushida leaving. And maybe he already checked out. I didn't see one thing that like st- stood out to me. I just was sitting there watching it, thinking like, "This could be better. This could be better. This could be better." Oh, it's over. What was that? It did feel like it was over really, really abruptly. I give you it, that. I had similar feeling. Part of it too is the trauma of AJ and Shinsuke from WrestleMania. How built up that match sure. was for me, and sure. how disappointed I was. And so now when stuff like that happens to me again, it's like I'm reliving that WrestleMania moment <laughs> all over again. I, and I get unnecessarily angry. PTSD. I yeah. remember yeah. how upset you were. Oh, you, my God, you were you were pissed. <laughs> God, I remember. I, that, that was the one time. That was the one time I said to myself, damn, I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not in New Orleans because he is fucking mad. Yeah, that was the only time I was grateful I was injured. I was like, damn, Man. Like, young boy might have broke some shit. I, I don't want to see him right now. He is upset. <laughs> uh, you know, and part of the problem, I I think part of it could have been time, too. I'm looking at last year's junior match. Yeah, like uh, Russell Kingdom 12, the junior match got 21 minutes. Yeah. Kushida and Ishimori only got 11 minutes. Was okay. I was going to say, they had a short, a pretty short bout this year. Last year was, was that Hiromu and... It was the four-way. The four-way. Yeah, last year was the four-way. Here, here's, here's what I'll say, and I'll leave it at this. In the last – prior to that match, in the last two to two and a half years, you would be very, very, very hard-pressed to find any junior match on any card – I'm sorry, any junior title match on any card in the past, let's say, two and a half years where you wouldn't say, I couldn't go lower than four stars. You're right. This was right. and with this one, you guys are saying I can't go higher than four. 
It's like literally one of the worst junior title matches in like a two and a half to three year span. So that's so, why I was pissed. So are you concerned about Bone Soldier being no. Ishimori being the guy in going forward? No, that's why I'm pissed because he's one of the premier talents in the world, and so is Kushida. It's a dream match, and it should have been better. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And so, um, so some, sometimes when guys have a three-and-a-half-star match or three-and-three-quarters-stars match, and you're like, wow, that was great. I can't believe they did that. But then when you put, like, two elite-level talents together in a big stage and they have that kind of match, I think more people should be pissed because it's like, why? Underwhelming. Yeah. I agree. Um, so speaking of another guy who... Josh is heated on the other side of this because people think that this guy is underwhelming, but we both disagree with that. You have Jay White, the Switchblade, versus Okada in the match that I personally was most interested in. Um, and can we take a moment to shout out the fact that the entire world lost their collective shit that Okada didn't wear pants? Because yeah. his pants are fucking hideous and his tights are good. Dude, young boy was running around uh, strong style studios, <laughs> flipping stuff over, flipping cups over, running around like the Ultimate Warrior, like losing his mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this was one of the mark out moments of my lifetime. It's really hard to explain just how hard it was. Like it was like all the pain and the hate and the hurt had been released. And oh my god! It was a come to Jesus moment, bro. It was like <laughs> it was just nothing but love and like prosperity like it was all coming like the rainmaker was back bro and that was the beauty of the match i think was i okada's fucking tremendous but i love how throughout the match he kept trying to see do i still have it am i still the rainmaker can i still do this do i still remember how to do the pose like i love that part about the match that like he knew he had to be that guy again to get the job done and he still didn't I, I mean, the way I saw it, he looked like nothing but the image of confidence the whole night. It was like he he never lost it um, until he lost he did. until he did <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until he did. He, there was no reason to believe that he wasn't everything that he ever was. And then suddenly, womp, womp, and it was over like that. Dude, and that was a very shocking moment for me, like. Never in my wildest dreams that I thought that they would actually pull the trigger and have Jay White pin Okada in the Tokyo Dome. Oh, you didn't think he was going to win? See, I, I was pretty sure he was going to win. What, what was shocking to me was one Blade Runner? Like one? Yeah, just one. Yeah, well, see, the whole reason why I thought he, he wasn't going to win is because he, he came into this match so strong. Like, he literally, any time he was in the ring with Okada, he either left him lying or he beat his team. He had so much momentum going into this thing. I'm like, they probably need to cool him down just a little bit and have Okada get some redemption, get a win back. But they went the complete opposite direction, just kept the heat and the momentum going. Yeah, sometimes people complain about, you know, 50-50 booking and that sort of thing, in, like in WWE. But dang, man, can't this guy get at least 10? Like, can't we get 90-10? <laughs> Hundred nothing, brother. Eighty-five, fifteen. I don't know. They, they're like, nah, screw that. Run it, Jay White. You get all of it, a hundred percent. He's no, yo, man. Jay White's the cerebral assassin of New Japan, man. Oh, people ain't gonna like that shit. <laughs> people not gonna like that. 
Oh man. They don't gotta like it for it to be true. They don't gotta like it for it to be true. Jay White's gonna start walking out with sledgehammers now. <laughs> no. <laughs> why do you need a sledgehammer when you have a fucking knife? Like, what's better yeah. than a knife? Yo, why do you need a knife when you got an army of Tongans? This is true. He's the, he's yeah. Who the fuck needs a knife when you got an army of Tongans? One of which is fucking hot too. Jay White's gonna uh, marry Harold May's daughter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. like, you got Haku and Haku's three children. Like <laughs> your fucking mob. Like, who needs a knife? Is is Hiko Leo healthy yet? I don't know. I don't know. We I don't know, but a hurt Tongan is still scarier than my ass. <laughs> that's a good point. We met him. Yeah, we we met Hiko Leo um this summer at an indie show that Haku was wrestling. Haku was wrestling Gangrel on an indie show. Um. And Hikaleo was there. We talked to him, and he said that, you know, he was supposed to be coming back later this year, but I haven't heard anything besides that. And and is Robbie Eagles still part of the of the Bullet Club, or was that just for the Tag League? He, he's about as much part of the Bullet Club as, you know, Jeff Jarrett's still part of the Bullet Club. Juicy Gambino. Juicy, Juicy Gino Gambino's part of the Gambino. Bullet Club. No, they, uh, you know, they've mentioned him, but, I mean, I guess it really just comes down to what new Japan wants to do as far as he's concerned. But, uh, you know, I would say, I would say for now, we would assume, yes, he's associated with them. I mean, to be fair, like everybody in the bullet club, except for chase and chase has officially relocated to the Isle of Tonga. They're all Polynesian. So Robbie Eagles is Australian. It matches. Yeah. I think I'm sure in Australia, he, you know, considers himself a Bullet Club member and wears Bullet Club stuff to the ring, I'm sure. So I'm just sure just we, we don't see him that much. So it's kind of yeah. like out of sight, out of mind. And I'm going to disagree with Jeremy because I can't see that crap. So I'm not sure what he's doing over there in Australia. And the truth is, neither is Jeremy. Yeah, but I'm I not mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. And, and people wonder why he's a heel. <laughs> this man's always bare. Dude, I had a co-worker who's not a wrestling fan at all, randomly listened to my podcast and was like, your co-host is kind of mean to you. <laughs> doesn't, the young boy know, doesn't the young boy know that being heels is our gimmick? We're the heels on this network. No, there, there's a heel on every show. Like, Josh is the heel of our show. Uh, Rich is the heel of One Nation Radio. Hold up, hold up. Ricky is the heel of Ricky and Clive. Which 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 is both what? heels. This was my friend <laughs> Chloe. Um, psh- I hope she listens to this podcast, too. <laughs> oh, he had to know which one it was. You need to tell me who it is. <laughs> Josh, no, Josh I'm Josh just dying here. I met her. The, the, be- lovely. the beauty of this podcast is, of all three of us, Carl's really the biggest heel. He's just never on. That's how that makes him an even bigger heel. He's the black. He's the black lesbian. Yeah, oh, good point. He's on that part-time contract. He's the... <laughs> He's the Chris Jericho of your guys' show. <laughs> just show up and just tear shit up and leave? Yes. <laughs> uh, he's not the Jericho, because Jericho at least watches the shit that he does. Damn. Oh. <laughs> hey, Carl, hope you listen. I don't even listen to our show. So we, <laughs> you know he's not. Why are you lying? We buried Carl. We buried Caleb. Is there anybody else that we need to bury? <laughs> we haven't buried Carl. Carl would say the same shit if he were here. You don't listen to this show. We know that. We love him anyway. I, I used to think of this show as like the show that Rance and Carl ran, 
And then every now and again, I was like, man, they've been guest spotting Kyle a lot lately. <laughs> Fast forward, now I'm like, yeah, this is the show that Kyle and Rance run together. And every now and again, they'll guest spot Carl, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. In fairness, in fairness, we ask Carl every week, yo, man, you coming on the show this week? Nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> ha- hashtag free Carl. Yes. Bring yeah. Carl back. Yeah, bring Carl back. Um, are, we we ever gonna see, are we ever going to see an SMC reunion? Nope. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> One word answer. Nope. No, I'm good. Oh man, you know what? You wanted that. that God, bless every, God, God bless everybody involved, bro. But I'm good. <laughs> Sierra Hotel Indigo Echo Lima Delta The Shield. <laughs> shield of podcasting, and you know I'm I'm a, I'm a shield mark, so that hurts. But yeah, oh, man. it is what it is. I wish all of us the best in our future endeavors. Oh, nice. So, uh, Are your future endeavors going to be as good as Jericho and Naito? Well, look, nothing's better than this because they actually gave Naito a win. Oh my God! Yeah. You so yeah. you you want to know? You want to know how? So you say how you lost your you lost you lost your shit, Josh? When Okada showed he did he had the shorts on. If Naito would have lost, I would have flown my ass to Tokyo, <laughs> and and like let Harold have it. When Naito won the match, like when I watched that match and saw that Naito won, because I managed to stay off Twitter and avoid spoilers for the entirety of the time while I was watching the show. And when Naito actually won, I fucking stood up and clapped. In the, in the middle of my damn living room, I stood up and gave felt, that shit a round of applause. Felt because so it was good. like, yes, praise, Naito finally wins. Felt so good. Oh, man. And you know the best part about all of this is? I don't got to hit Josh up and bitch about it incessantly for the next few months. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I was right with you. I think Naito need to, you know, had to win this match. Um, I would have been honestly kind of flabbergasted and surprised if he lost. Um, you know, if you look, he's still very over, but, you know, you look at his, like, kind of standing in the company, even, like, in the fan vote in Tokyo Sports Award, he came in, like, third, fourth in, like, the popularity kind of vote stuff. So his popularity definitely took a little bit of a hit, and if he had lost hair again to Jericho, I think it might have been worse. So I think it was definitely the right call, putting the belt on Naito. They told a great story of the belt that has kind of haunted him his whole career. It's what helped him win the match, um, and I think it was a great thing to kind of catapult him into 2019. I mean, it, it was there was never any doubt about what was going to happen here. I know it's very formulaic, but it works. It's proven to work, and it's what Jericho has made a career out of. He shows up somewhere. He finds a guy he sees potential in. He beats that guy, and then he turns around, and he makes that guy a bigger star by letting him beat him back. And that's what he, that's what he wanted to do for Naito. That's what it was always going to be. Um, and, you know, it's just... It takes longer New Japan because they do long-term storytelling, and this, you know, there's six months between their big shows, so that's why. But yeah, I mean, uh, the thing I was impressed with was just how good the build was, how good the match was. Everybody looks better for it, and I'm excited for what's coming next for Naito in 2019 and Jericho. Honestly, oh. honestly, I think the best 
thing to come out of the feud wasn't even as much what Jericho did for Naito. It was what Jericho did for evil. Okay. Like Jericho made evil so much more relevant than he was before, at least in my opinion. I'd agree. Yeah, now, that definitely uh, helped raise his stock. Now, now, hold on, guys. Josh just said that he's excited for what Naito has coming up in 2019. Jeremy, would you like to tell the people what uh, Naito is doing in his next feud? Yeah, so on the uh, New Beginning tour, uh, Naito will be defending the IC title against Taichi. And I know um, a lot of fans are you know, they're not thrilled about this. You know, I'm not completely thrilled about it. But you got to look at it. Taichi is a guy that they started building in 2018. The, the, it was like a storyline thing for him to be left off the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, Naito and Taichi had a feud last year. And Naito sees a lot of potential in Taichi and has worked Tai Chi multiple times last year, even at the Taka Tai Chi Mania show they did. Um, so it wasn't surprising that they kind of went this route. But at the same time, you you kind of need a good, like, easy first defense for Naito. So you're saying this is an Appalachian State for Alabama? Yeah. I mean, but, uh, it is not an easy game yeah, for anybody. My bad. Uh, uh, North Carolina A&T. Well, you know, okay. there, there is actually a chance they could pull the trigger and put the belt on Tai Chi. Um, just so Naito's not, you know, strapped down with the IC title for the rest of the year. Um, but as of right now, I kind of see Naito retaining as of right now. Do you hear what you're saying, my brother? Do y'all hear what y'all are saying? We just got through 2018 of everybody complaining that Naito was underutilized and underappreciated. He finally gets the big win he needed. He finally gets the title that isn't the title he should have, but the title he should have never lost. And his first feud is Tai Chi, and you're talking about him possibly losing? Yeah, I mean, you got to think about it. Usually there's not double champions in New Japan, and Naito is going to probably find himself back in the the IWGP heavyweight title picture at some point this year. So at some point, that belt's going to have to come off of him for him to either win the G1 or to win the title. So I'm I'm not saying it's going to be here. It's a possibility. They do an upset surprise. Um, Tai Chi cheats. The referee goes down, he hits him with the mic stand, and he yep. gets the win. And then Naito just is like, you know, forget the belt. I'm going on to the G1, and I'm going to win the G1. Um, and then that helps elevate Tai Chi. Naito could be in the title picture by Madison Square Garden. He could be in the picture, the title picture by Dominion, basically. Not saying that will happen. They might they might keep the, the icy title on him that whole time. We don't know. But it does make a lot of sense to just, you know, it's kind of like, do you want to pull the Band-Aid off? Six months from now, or do you want to do it now and try to make a guy? But do you? Okay, no disrespect to Tai Chi. Here's some other stuff. Like I got about Tai Chi, just so it makes sense. For a lot of casual American audience viewers, they hate him for a lot of reasons, and it's not all undeserved. But the guy is getting really over in Japan. And he's not, like, seen the way that I think a lot of people here in the States kind of see him. And, in fact, there's this really hardcore underground contingent of New Japan fans. Me and Jeremy interact with them all the time here in the States that freaking love him. He's their favorite wrestler. So, like, people think that he – yeah, I promise you it's a huge – There's there, it's not like – it's a vocal minority. So it's not like – I'm not saying, like, it's the, the, the majority. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but they're very vocal. Yeah. And the thing is, like, over if you watch him during house shows, he's not getting booed and he's not getting told to go home. They're chanting his name. He's very over. Yeah. Before, before they used to chant "Go home, Tai Chi." Now they're actually chanting for him. Tai Chi's over. And um, again, we always have to keep in mind when we're watching New Japan that this product is, even though they want to appeal to a, a North American audience and and Japanese. come over here. It's a Japanese product for Japanese people. And guess what? They still got to have somebody that they can build around. I think Taichi is a, is a guy that maybe they do see see either being uh, uh, someone who can – what hurts Naito worse? Losing to a Taichi who can be a transitional guy and put over another big star or having a big star beat him and then making him look like a loser – Losing to Tai Chi. You think losing to Tai Chi by nefarious means in a way where everybody looks at it and is like, you know, that was like it was a bullshit win basically is worse than if he gets beat clean by Zack Sabre. Zack Sabre and he taps out or gets ref stopped. Yep, I do. I see. I don't. Because because with all due respect to Tai Chi, again, no disrespect. I don't think he's terrible. I think he has a place. I think he's even. Fairly interesting, I do, but Naito shouldn't be in the state. They're not. They're not in the same class. And after the year Naito just had, where everything he did was like really, really kind of on the what you guys are doing, what are you doing situation. Like Saber has tapped him out before. This isn't won't be the first time he would ta- he's tapped him out. You know what I mean? Like so to see night to see Tai Chi lose, I mean beat Naito even with the nefarious means when Naito runs his a group of his own. Like, it just, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like the right time. It doesn't feel like the right dude. But that's how, I, that's how I felt last year about Kenny. When Kenny went up against Switchblade, it was like, yo, Switchblade doesn't deserve this win. He just had a terrible match. But you kind of had that feeling like they need to get the belt off Kenny to get him ready for later in the year. And that's exactly what they did. That's why I think that there's a high probability they might actually do it. I'm not saying they do it. But the other thing, too, is like, this is full circle booking. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, he shouldn't be facing Taichi, but it's like the whole feud with Lij, or I'm sorry, with Suzuki Goon started one year ago when he started the feud with Taichi. Yeah. Now Taichi has gone from being this junior that just jumped up to heavyweight to where he's held a title, he's established himself as a character. We're a year, we're a year apart, and now, uh, what? Uh, Freaking Naito has exercised his uh, Suzuki demon. He's exercised his Zack Sabre demon. The one guy that's left to kind of get off his back is Taichi. So maybe he does get rid of Taichi, but a lot of people are complaining about it. And it's like, A, it's a B show. It's not a big pay-per-view. It's new beginning. Um, the second thing is like, it is full. Like people are like, oh, well, the booking sucks. It's like, no, this is where they were always going to go. They booked this a whole year out, basically. I'll say this. If... If uh, Naito does lose to Tai Chi, say now, and Naito goes to do something as interesting as Kenny did with Cody and Ibushi and the Bucks in that whole saga, then I'll accept it. But doesn't look like it is. And if, if, if Naito loses again, it looks like he'll be aimless until the G1. And that's, that was the problem last year. Naito was aimless for most of the year. Yeah, but I, I think this year it's going to be different. I think. I hope. I know I highly can see Naito main eventing one of the two Tokyo Dome nights um, next year, 
And so I I can honestly see Naito either winning the G1 this year or being the champion going into Wrestle Kingdom this year. Speaking of the two Tokyo Dome nights, are there going to be two Wrestle Kingdoms? Or yes. is New Year's Dash going to be in Tokyo Dome as well? And it's just going to be New Year's They're not marketing it right now like it's a New Year's Dash. They're marketing it like it is two split nights of Wrestle Kingdom. That's super interesting. That okay. that that can set the precedent for WrestleManias in the future. This is actually an idea I had for WrestleMania a few years ago. Um, and when I, I like brought it up in the group thread and, and like on the, uh, what's our page called? The uh, wrestling square. Yeah. Circle. On the wrestling squared circle. And everyone was like, that's a terrible idea. Blah, blah, blah. It'll never work. They'll, I was like, why wouldn't they, I was like, why wouldn't they try to fill up the stadium two nights what in a row? If I lie into what do you people lying to it would never work? Like, these same marks wouldn't buy tickets for that shit. The reason I always felt like they needed to do it is because every year, everyone complains about one of two things. Either guys getting left off WrestleMania or them throwing together too many matches with, with little to no meaning. Uh, like, you know, Battle Royals just to get guys on, stuff like that. And I was like, well, why don't they just do two nights of WrestleMania, fill up the stadium twice, they'll make way more money. And they can basically book two headliners, give more opportunities to guys, and make give you know make more money and give more opportunities. And um, the reason that I think that this could work is because like I'm an '80s kid and I watched Jim Crockett do it, and I watched you know World Class do it, and all these other companies that had big shows and they they did multiple night you know shows, and it always worked. They're, like they never lost their shirt. And it still would work because these same people would buy these tickets and they can lie to themselves and pretend that they wouldn't, but they would. I, I can say this real quick. I can say this, and we don't need, I don't want, know if we, I want to spend too much time on this part of it, but I think the one, the one question would be if you buy tickets early, what night are you getting? If you're only going to get one night, are you going to get to see the guy you wanted to see? Are you going to see, get to see the matches you wanted to see? Because... New Japan does this a lot where they'll release, they'll sell tickets before the card is set. You know, and all, all the companies do that, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. So, for all you know, if you're buying WrestleMania tickets and it's a Saturday and a Sunday, and you buy this, the Sunday show, well, are you going to get to see, and you're a Finn Balor fan, are you going to get to see Finn Balor? Are you going to get to see such and such? You don't know who you're going to get. because There's a way you can... What with WrestleMania when they released when they sell tickets in October November? Yeah, so if you're going to the Sunday show and your guys aren't going to be on the the Sunday show, then you can watch Saturday on the WWE Network for nine ninety nine a month, <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else. Well done, well done, sir. Well done, well done. Um, well, speaking of champions, there's only one match cha- to talk about still on this card. Um, and that would have to be. Do y'all like Omega. the Do y'all like the, the best bout machine nickname? I, I like yeah. it. I feel about it. I mean, I don't really have like feelings like one way or the other. I mean, I liked the cleaner better. I love the cleaner name. Well, the cleaner rolls off the tongue. The best bout machine is a mouthful. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. That's specifically why I don't like it is because it's like it's not a good alliteration. I prefer the cleaner. And I think the cleaner is is clean. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's clean. Yeah. yeah. So the Kenny Omega just flows. Very very clearly this is where they had to go with Kenny knowing that he was probably gonna leave. 
Um, did you guys think it was? How did you? How did you? What do you think? Did you think it was well done? Did you enjoy the match? Um, was it your match of the night? What did you think? Let me let me start by answering a few of your questions in short order. I do think it was the match of the night. I did think this is where they were going, and for the second year in a row, I accurately predicted the winner of the main event of the Tokyo Dome, Wrestle Kingdom, which is hard as crap to do, and I did it twice now. Boom. I'll give you credit for last year, but this one was kind of easy. No way. Everyone was picking Kenny. So many people were picking Kenny. This one was hard. Do people not read the tea leaves? You guys all had Tanahashi? Well, there for a while. Yeah. I, I, I was one person that picked Kenny, and the reason why was just because what kind of factor in my opinion Kenny was just he lives in Japan, he loves the culture. I figured that even if he was going to do all elite wrestling, that he would find a way to also do New Japan and that they would work together and keep the belt on him. Uh, so that's why I went with Kenny. But after, like, like honestly, like two days before the match, and like I watched the press conference, I was like, man, Tanahashi is going to win. But like... Earlier, earlier on, I did thought I did think Kenny was going to win. I think I said, and I could be wrong, and if so, you know, whatever. I'm fucking wrong sometimes. Um, I believe I said something like, if Kenny doesn't lose to Tanahashi, he will lose the title at New Year's Dash. But either way, I thought he was losing the title because we here on the Edge have been predicting Kenny Omega to Titan Town for a while now. He might end up going to AEW, and I won't be shocked if he goes to AEW. I will not be surprised in any way, shape, or form, but like I'm still going to stick with our to Titan Town prediction. I, I will say that Kenny to AEW almost seems like a, a slam dunk, but part of me feels like he's going to shock the world and go to WWE for this one reason and one reason only. This is the only reason why. If he don't do it now, he'll never do it. There's a lot of good reasons, and I... I kind of agree with you actually i'm back and forth on that all the time um i know it seems pretty obvious that he probably is going to AEW, and he probably will but there's a lot of reasons why he could wind up in wwe and it, it would make sense and i'm not i wouldn't be surprised at all actually i think that uh with the new japan main event if you're on the outside looking in and kind of you know it, with fresh eyes it's easy to see but like Sure. Watching watching it and being engrossed in it, it was not an easy decision. Like, I mean, Kenny's pretty much the ace. I mean, you're gonna go with your top guy. I mean, Tanahashi hasn't main evented the Tokyo Dome in like four years, and I mean, even now him having the title as much. And I'm guys, I'm one of the biggest Tanahashi marks there is. But watch watching him sit there at a press conference with the belt almost felt wrong. Like it felt weird. <laughs> It did feel weird. It felt, it felt weird, and it still feels weird. And I feel like part of part of the reason why, um, you know, things feel up in the air for New Japan is because like Tanahashi's at the top, and I mean, it just feels weird. It's like it's like this really happened. I, now I don't know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the theme that we've uh, that we've kind of seen over and over again is that due to a variety of different reasons, the company itself is in kind of a transitionary phase where they've got a lot of talents have recently departed and now they're kind of figuring out, oh, okay, or getting to the age where they're departing and it's figuring out, okay, well, who are our replacements for these 
older guys who are phasing out or for the guys who have just up and left? I, I do think that that match is going to be a clear candidate for match of the year when, when the ballots all are said and done at the end of the year. I thought it was a very, very, very good match, told a great story. I would love to see them do it again. Unfortunately, we might not ever get that. We'll see. Um, I mean, what did you guys think? Because I know that this was a match you guys were kind of up in the air about as far as the build and stuff. I mean, what did you think? Not the match. I knew the match would be excellent. Right. It was the, it was the build. And when when Jeremy was on our show last, which was after or before Dominion, was it? Yeah, around that time. You When you broke it down to me and the way you broke it down to me, whatever time it was, you made me think about it in a way I wouldn't have thought about it. Much like you just said that if, you, if you're not an avid everyday watcher, it's easy for you to kind of guess who's going to win. But, but if you're – it's the opposite for this, that if you were an everyday watcher, you wouldn't have gotten that feud. And I didn't get it until you broke it down for me, that it was kind of old guard, new guard. They don't like each other. Uh, Tanahashi kind of is against everything Kenny stands for and vice versa and all of that and what it meant for the future of the company and this, that, and the other. I, it just looked like they put two guys together. Um, but when I got that, I started getting excited for it. Now, granted, I wasn't as excited as I was for Naito Jericho or Okada J. White, but I was actually into it. was ready for it. Um, I will say that knowing that he was that Kenny was probably leaving dampened my excitement just slightly but they went out there and they wrestled the hell out that match and I, I'm not going to call Kenny Hill but he played Hill in this match and yeah he, he was definitely the aggressor in this match yes. and I mean when you got when you got Kenny against Tanahashi Tanahashi's kind of seen like almost as a god in Japanese wrestling sure. for those fans. They love Tana. You know, when it's Tana versus Okada, they're cheering Tana. Tana versus Naito, they're cheering Tana. They love Tanahashi. So it made sense for Kenny to be kind of more vicious and to quote unquote be the heel of the match. Right. And like you mentioned, their whole rivalry played out in the match, um, you know, with um, kind of Kenny bringing the table out and then. Um, you know, Tanahashi just getting so frustrated, he kind of broke his own code and used, tried to use a table. And then you had Kenny trying to prove that he can wrestle this long um, kind of New Japan style that Tanahashi is used to, this long storytelling style. And Kenny went against his style to try and prove he can do Tanahashi's style. So it's kind of like both of them trying to prove to each other that they're the best. And I thought it was a great story, excellent match. Um, like Josh said, I would love to see it again, and I hope we get you to see it again. They're one and one, so gotta have a rubber match eventually. Yeah, I think. I, I, just, mean, I, I think it was clearly the match of the night. I, I don't think that there's really a whole lot of competition to be had there, in my opinion, anyway. I think that it was the only match that honestly had enough time given to it to be match of the night, and I mean they wrestled the fuck out of that match. Yeah, it was it was interesting that prior to the match, Tanahashi had been saying to Kenny that Kenny was uh, not elegant. He wasn't a good storyteller. That he, he was almost basically saying that he relied too much on spots and tricks, and that his matches had very little meaning until the final segment when he starts going into his finish, and that and everything up to that point was irrelevant and unimportant. That he he didn't have a good match structure basically, and he also said that like. 
he goes out there trying to hurt people, you know, throwing all those V triggers and all that. And he's not trying to win almost like he's a sadistic sort of. And he's like, you have no elegance to your, to your style. But the funny thing is like Tanahashi has shown historically every year in the dome that he's a prick and that he will do anything it takes to actually win when, when the gold's on the line and when the big match is on the line. And he did sort of goad Kenny into trying to wrestle this classic, epic, 45-minute, you know, beautiful, graceful storytelling style. And what was Kenny – or what was Tanahashi doing? He was tearing this man's knee up. He's trying to put him through a table. He's striking him. He was not trying to wrestle. He was trying to win. Yeah. And that's – and we've seen him do that to Okada when Okada was a little – you know, years ago when Okada was a little more naive. Tanahashi – taught Kenny a lesson that like to be the champion and be the man in the Tokyo Dome, you got to be a prick and you got to be dirty. And so even though like Tana or everyone saw Kenny as being like the heel and the aggressor, like he really was trying to out Tanahashi, Tanahashi and Tanahashi is like, I don't care what it takes. I'm just going to, I'm going to take your knees and I'm going to hold this high five flow. One, two, three ace rides again. He tricked him. He tricked him into into wrestling his style of match, and that's the story of the match, basically. He made him think – he made it – you know what? It's like George Foreman. George Foreman made everybody think he was this nice grandpa, and then he'd lay the one-two on guys and knock him out, and that's what Tanahashi was doing. So, so can and I – And he made that awesome grill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I uh, – can I um, – I want to ask a question in hindsight now. Um – in hindsight, do you think that the prospect of the first Kota Ibushi Kenny Omega match for the title would have been bigger or better than what Omega Tanahashi was? Uh, I think it's a kind of a hard question to answer because I feel like if they ended up doing Omega Ibushi for the main event for the title, they would have put as much energy into the story as they did with this match. So honestly, regardless of what they went with, they would have done what they needed to do to get that story across and make it the biggest match it could possibly possibly be. Yeah, it's hard for me to say what the anticipation level would have really been because even though there's more of a backstory and there's an easier narrative to tell when it comes to Ibushi and Omega and stuff, and don't get me wrong, Ibushi and Omega are, are both stars. I don't know that the that it has the same star value that Omega Tanahashi had in Japan. Yeah, in in New, in New Japan and in the Tokyo Dome, yes, that's Tanahashi's home. I give you that. Yeah, and also too with just New Japan booking, they never usually do repeat a match that happened in that calendar year at the Tokyo Dome. So if they were going to do Omega Ibushi for the belt, they probably wouldn't have happened in the G1. They should have held off of doing it in the G1 entirely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that ultimately was... Pro- well, they should have held off on doing it in the G1 entirely. But, Brother Rance, stop trying to make the Golden Lovers fight. Lovers shouldn't fight. Domestic <laughs> violence is wrong. He says, he says that, but me and him just had a big-ass argument over the phone the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they don't need to know we was fighting. I'm pretty sure at some point, whether it's here, somewhere else, we're going to get a, another Golden Lovers match. Do you so, think Do you think Kota follows Kenny to AEW, WWE? 
Probably. I just can't imagine them not to back together. I can't imagine them leaving each other again. Maybe not. Oda will go anywhere that Kenny goes because they're just wonderful. Well, that you say that, that but hashtag relationship goals. So people the, say. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, go ahead. People say people say that, but like, let's assume that what the reports say that they've quote unquote always been together. But they were wrestling in separate companies and doing different things for several years. I think that they hypothetically could be in different companies. It's just that they have such a marketing opportunity with them being in the same company that they, they can make more money together than they could if they were apart, basically, is what I say. Yes. And they and they were in different companies, but they were in the same country. And if you listen to what Omega says – the reason Coda brings him goes everywhere Kenny goes is because Coda can't tell he has a horrible sense of direction and loses his shit every time he goes somewhere. So he yes, needs that Kenny. Man, that man Ibushi gets lost all the time traveling. <laughs> Poor Coda. Every pilot needs a good co-pilot. So we've broken down the Wrestle Kingdom card. Uh, I wanted to give it a good amount of respect because it is essentially the biggest show of the year for for New Japan, the second biggest show of the year in terms of like interest, and quite possibly the best show of the year. So it deserved more than just like a passerby, like oh the show is good. Yeah, and but, Rance, before before you move on, Rance, I did want to make one point overall that I, I didn't get to make on our show. Go ahead, man. So I do think overall Wrestle Kingdom 12 was or Wrestle Kingdom 13 was a great show, but I don't feel like it's going to be the show of the year. Oh, okay. Well, what do you, do you have a guess? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if you're absolutely correct about I, that. I, I feel like Dominion could possibly once again beat out Wrestle Kingdom like it did last year or some other show. Like this was a very good card, but I feel there's potential for another big pay per view to beat it. Madison Square Garden hypothetically, could be, like, treated like one of these shows. But that's the Ring of Honor show. It's Ring of Honor and, and New, New Japan. Japan. I hear you, but it's Ring of Honor. All In was self-financed, but it was Ring of Honor. Like, this is Ring of Honor. Yeah, and did you see how good that All In show was? was amazing. All In show was good. All In was really good. You know, I mean, I don't want to talk, I don't want to get my Golden Lovers brethren mad about the penis druids, but other than that... <laughs> Yo, man, I was here for the Dick Druids, but then again, I was also there with the members of Strong Style Studios, and it was just a great time in general, so, like, it's all good, man. Oh, that's right, all y'all did go, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were there. Yeah, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we need to talk some AEW, just because it's the most relevant thing in wrestling right now. It's but real. Also, it's, it's real. But also, and I'm, I'm so glad I have you guys on, Josh and Jeremy, um, because... I've, on this show, we try to to step back and look at things from a different perspective. And um, I feel like you guys would be more of the diehard sect than me and Kyle might be. So, But I don't think our opinions are differing on a lot of what we're feeling about AEW. Um, I guess I'll go first. I, I, there is a level of excitement. There's a, there's a huge level of interest more than anything. Like, I'm really intrigued as to what is possibly going to happen, what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, what is it going to look like eventually in the end, things like that. Um, There are a ton of positives, more places to work. It's always great. Competition, 
is always great. So much good of it. The issues that I have are two things. Number one, in the pep rally, you can't say these grandiose things to get people excited and then have to explain them because they weren't exactly what you meant to say afterwards. Because that breeds a lot of questions and issues and people running with their own ideas and thoughts of what you said other than what exactly you said. And number two, and I mean, you guys have known me long enough to know that this is my thing. But the fans are jumping out the fucking window. It has already become a AEW versus the world. AEW versus WWE. WWE is going to go out of business. AEW is already saving the business. My God, they haven't ran a fucking show. Like, so I want to know what you guys all think about it and where we think they're going. How do you think they're starting off? Like, break it down for me. What you guys think? Okay, so... A couple things that I'll say is like I think that the reality is, you know, when we were at the end, of, when, when All In went off, was going off the air, basically Matt Jackson had said something like, you know, that there's a hunger from wrestling fans for an alternative, and there's a hunger for what he would basically classify as being good wrestling. That would be to say that, not saying it by name, but that maybe the main product that's out there is not viewed by this subsect of fans is good wrestling yeah that's exactly correct from what your your deduction is correct yes like you know and we won't get into a debate about it but i literally don't think wwe is good wrestling in any way i'm not a fan of it i don't like it um obviously i found my product in new japan there are a lot of fans out there though who are ride or die on this elite and uh you know being the elite and bullet club and I mean, that's how they sold out that $10,000 or that 10,000 seat arena. So there is a lot of people who are very excited about what this may be because it, to them, it does represent hope, hope of an alternative that's a real alternative. Whether it really ends up being that or not is yet to be seen. But I think that's why the anticipation is so heavy. It's not just because they see it as good for the wrestlers or good for, you know, the business. They see it as good for the fan because they they're like, dude, the fan is going to be able to watch something that I like that's not WWE. Um, the other thing too is I would say this: I'm I'm right there with you, Rance, when when you were mentioning about um, them coming out and saying grand things. I have this thing about like politicians when they come out and they make all these promises and they never deliver. So I always have like a, a wall up when it comes to people coming out and saying like big things. They came out and they made a lot of promises. And I'm not negative in saying it's not going to happen. It's just I've never seen any company in my life deliver on all the things that they're saying. So if they do it, it would almost like by de facto make them one of the best wrestling companies of all time. I'm just reserved. I'm not jumping on it and being like they're definitely doing it. But I will say this because um, I think what you were alluding to is you were mentioning, you know, if they have to re-explain what they're talking about. I think some of that maybe is like the Brandy thing where – they're talking about like equal pay. That's I think not the only any- thing. The insurance thing was another. Um, there's a lot. There's a few things there that were talking points. But yes, that's one. Of I them. think a lot. I think a lot of the things that they're saying are doable. Whether they happen or not, I don't know. But I do feel like there is a group of fans who love WWE and are maybe like against some of the stuff that was being said, and they're trying to find ways to poke holes in what was said. And I don't know if all the arguments that they have like really stand up to scrutiny because I mean. If, if, if someone's going to criticize Brandy for saying, like, equal pay, but they, they automatically jump to 
thinking that means Britt Baker and Chris Jericho are making the same amount. Well, that's kind of that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about like, you know, a wage gap, obviously that sort of thing. Or like, could they hypothetically get healthcare for the wrestlers? Will it happen? I don't know. But could it? I mean, UFC has it. So I don't know why they might not have it. I just think that there are a lot of people who are already ready to run defense against this thing before it's even happened on both sides of the fence, whether they're okay. fans for it or not. Okay, as long as you said both sides, I'm cool with that. And before you, before Jeremy, Kyle, you guys jump in, um, yes, if you think that her meaning equal pay meant that everybody's going to get paid the same, yeah, that's ridiculous. But I do think that there there's legit questions with that because – that that would essentially mean that there would have to be a tier system. Probably. How do you pick and choose who's gonna have to be in that tier? How can you can you move out of that tier? Who you know what I mean? Like what are the tiers gonna be? Are the women and the men gonna get paid as equal? Are the men are the women gonna get the same amount of matches as the men are to make sense of that? And historically, every wrestling company has paid people by what they're worth, not by some arbitrary amount that they think that their position holds like there's That's a real true. a lot of questions that just saying something as grandiose as equal pay brings, right. breeds and that's what i mean and then the insurance thing they mentioned insurance and tony khan had to come behind that and say well we were talking about insurance for people who had office jobs we're working on health care but i don't we don't know we're not there yet and then cody said something that was absolutely didn't need to be said Anybody who gets hurt in the AEW ring is going to be taken care of. Well, that's the same thing for WWE and New Japan and Ring of Honor and Impact and LU and every company. But that was, but it may, but it felt like well, we're going to do this because they don't. You know what I mean? Does so, everybody do that? Because I don't know. I mean, I don't know that everybody does that. Every major, every major American company does. I can't speak for outside of America. But and if you get hurt in WWE ring, they take care of you. If you get hurt in Impact ring, they take care of you. If you get hurt in the Ring of Honor ring, they take care of you. Hmm. You don't have you. They don't have insurance under the company. But if you get hurt working a show for them, you will get taken care of. That's the reason why they told the UK guys to, they couldn't do all those other shows no more because they were Tyler Bate kept going to other shows for other companies that aren't affiliated and getting hurt. Yeah, I'm not sure. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not sure if that was a, a shot towards like any major American company. I mean, that could have just been, like, a state of the thing for indies. Because, you know, a lot of the guys that they are signing are, like, top independent acts and are not in the major companies. And when you're wrestling in independent companies, it's you're pretty much on your own as far as sure. healthcare. Sure. Um, and, like, if you, you know, if you're wrestling in, um, you know, a bar for, you know, Evolve or something or, you know, some other random indie and you do, like, a front flip and break your leg or something, like, you're screwed, like, you better make a pro and tease and try and sell some shirts to pay for your hospital bills. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're right. George so, so I'm not sure because obviously, obviously WWE does a great job of you know trying to take care of their wrestlers and the surgeries and all that stuff. So I don't think that was a shot. I, to me, it wouldn't make sense for that to be a shot towards that. I just think Cody was just you know saying, hey, you know, taking care of our wrestlers is going to be a priority, especially some of these indie guys like a Joey Janela. MJF, who refs, wrestle in like CCW, GCW, some of these smaller niche companies that don't, that can't afford to take care of their guys. I think right. that's what he was trying to point out. An and another, uh, I'm sorry, real quick. Another legit question is, are the people gonna be exclusive? We don't know, but it seems like there might not be a level of extreme exclusivity. 
Um, to me, what it's it, to me, it seems like it's going to be different for each wrestler. That yeah, that seems to be the case. So, so like is, right is, for example, is is that is that that's unprecedented though? No, it's yeah. not. It's for actually, a company of that size. For a company of that size, it may be unprecedented, but I think we're seeing that with other companies like um, MLW is running kind of a similar business model already. They're signing some guys to exclusive contracts, but out of necessity and out of their business model, they have an, another portion that they specifically are signing to non-exclusive deals. Um, and I think that in this day and age, I think with the way that Cody and the Bucks have come up and Hangman and all them coming off the independents, I think they're seeing the value in having guys like that who might be able to gain buzz and notoriety outside of their main promotion, especially if they don't have the dates. I mean, we don't even know if they're what kind of touring schedule they're going to have or, you know, what have you. I mean, it, it's it's probably not going to be like WWE 300 days a year right off the bat sure. if it even if it even becomes that, you know. So I'm sure there will be guys allowed to work. I'm not even sure because I'm not even saying sure because I, I think this. They've said they they've said Jericho will be able to do his cruise. They said Joey Janelle will still be able to do spring breaks. Uh, you know they're talking about partnering with PWG and you know other in, indie you know leagues and things like that. So I'm sure there will be guys who are non-exclusive already. Yeah, to me because you know based on what I've been reading, you know I don't know anything 100% sure of fact. It sounds like they're trying to build like a little alliance with you know Oriental Wrestling Entertainment and PWG. Mm-hmm. In AAA, Wrestle One, and DDT, they're trying to kind of establish their own little network of promotions. So what it sounds like is you're gonna, you know, you'll see maybe the Young Bucks pop up in PWG. You'll see Hangman Page, you know, at Wrestle One. You'll see, um, you know, Joe Janela at a DDT show or something or GCW. So it does sound like these guys, as long as you're a part of their little affiliation or network, you're gonna be able to bounce around these other promotions. And that's how it is with that's how it is with New Japan already. Well, I mean, all I was gonna say about the whole thing is, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm a history person. Like my degree is in history. I teach history for a living. And as someone who like spends their time looking at history, I'm all about the long game. Right now we're in the short game. Yeah. And I need way more than hype. I need to know more about the business model. I need to know what's the tour schedule going to look like. I need to know, are you going to have some kind of a televised deal? How big is this roster going to be? I need to see you have more than one show. Even if double or nothing gets great attendance, which I bet it probably will because, number one, it's still a new shiny product. And number two, as of right now, it's the only announced show. And it's in Vegas. And it's in Vegas. So, like... I'm I'm sure that show will sell well and that's great and that gives me you know some optimism but I'm all about the long game talk to me about AEW in a year and ask me you know has it been a successful first year how many shows like what are they doing do they still have momentum or is this just like a killed buzz situation so I have some some caution and I think with some of this my main thing is i'm not being critical at all i have no criticism yet to be had when when the time for criticism comes if there is i'll I'll give it out but i'm more cautious at this point like for instance i don't know that the show in vegas will be a success uh i to me hopefully i mean obviously i hope it is but it's like 
there is one thing that's kind of going against them is, you know, all in already happened. You can only have one first all in and this is kind of like a second all in and it is in Vegas and Vegas is expensive. It's a great travel destination, but how many wrestling fans are going to go pack out MGM Grand? Do they still have that goodwill with their fan base to get them all to travel to go to to Vegas I'm for this? Curious. The time of year isn't quite as friendly. Like the end of May is not yes. the it's a terrible time, but like I think it's a holiday though. It's every it's, it's yeah. Memorial Day weekend. Oh, oh, oh. so that That's they do have that going in their favor. That's but there, there are some things. I'll tell you what. I think if Kenny is able to work those shows, or if he signs with them, I if I was them, and I think this is what they'll do. I think they do Alpha Omega too. Yeah, opening show. Um, another thing though, and it's one reason to be caught like optimistic and, and I think that these guys are not like Jeff Jarrett level finessers. Okay. <laughs> so Nobody's think, a Jeff Jarrett level finesser. I don't think that they got someone to give them a hundred million dollars without some sort of solid business plan. Also, I think Chris Jericho is a very smart businessman and I don't think he would have signed on to do this. Unless he saw the kinds of things that Kyle wants to see, but it's not a public company, so we don't know yet. He did say, though, in an interview today that they have some sort of very strong television deal on the table. He said there's two or three of them that he knows about. I just think that um, – I think that the names that are involved, the type of money that's involved, I don't see them – I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, everyone, it's easy to be like a Sunday morning quarter or Monday morning quarterback, but it sounds like they have real plans in place because they've got real money backing them. And I don't think that the, this this family is just going to jump in unless it's real, it's you real. know? Long haul. And they seem like they've really sat down and thought about this stuff. Can I say, though, the one thing that might come back to bite everybody in the ass? Go for it. You know... I, the cons are throwing all this money behind it. I think we'd all be really foolish to think that one day they might not jump in and try to say, hey, what are you doing? I want this. I want that. I want this guy as my champion. Sign this guy. Don't sign that guy. The Raiders are bad. We need to do this, much like Vince does. Because I realize that it's it feels good and it feels like it's Cody's in the Bucks company. But, bro, it's the cons company. Well, so... So on that note, from what I I just got to listen to an interview with Tony Khan on Xbox podcast. Okay. And Tony Khan does seem like he's gonna be somewhat hands-on with this project. He's a big pro wrestling fan. He's been watching wrestling since a kid. He's a tape trader. He did star rating newsletters. He's been watching indies. I mean, when he does stuff in the UK, he watches Rev Pro all the time. He goes to Rev Pro shows. He he's a he, he's us with money. Um, <laughs> That's a good way I, to put that. I was up with money. Uh, yeah, and you know he's talking about he's he's big into statistics and he 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 wants to make this like a more sports based product. He wants to make wins and losses matter. So I do think Tony Khan he is going to be hands on. I do think he will have some play in who they're pushing and who the champions are. But for, to me, it sounds like he's in a similar mindset as Young Bucks and Cody. So I, I feel like there wouldn't be I feel like they're probably gonna be want to push the same people and kind of go in the same direction. For now. For now. For now. I don't know. Obviously things can change, but as of right now, that's what it seems. Um, and just real quick, overall, I, I am very excited about all elite wrestling. I'm a big mark for the elite guys. Um, I've been watching the Young Bucks 
um, since their first Ring of Honor run, since the Generation Me days at Impact. I've been watching Kenny Omega since he was a Hadouken guy in Ring of Honor. Um, you know, obviously I've been watching Cody since he first, you know, FCW here in Tampa. And, you know, I've become a big fan of all these guys, and I love what they've been doing. I enjoy it all in. And overall, I do think this is going to be a great thing for the wrestling business overall, creating a, a new space for people to get jobs and to highlight wrestlers and just to, you know, put everybody on edge and make everybody in the wrestling business step their game up in every promotion. And, you know, seeing on Twitter, you know, there there are, you know, the, the kind of the divide between fans and they're kind of attacking each other on the AEW side and the WWE side. And here's where I stand, like... I'm a fan of professional wrestling. I watch multiple promotions and, you know, everybody's going to love different things. And, you know, honestly, this year, in the last year, I haven't watched as much like Raw and SmackDown as I have in the past. And that's because my tastes have changed and I've found different things, different products. And, you know, I, but I still watch all the pay-per-views. I watch NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live, but I watch other stuff too. I watch Ring of Honor, MLW, Evolve. It's okay to watch different stuff. Not everybody has to watch WWE. Not everybody has to watch All Elite, MLW, whatever, Impact, whatever it is. Um, and so I just think, you know, I don't see why fans attack each other for being happy for whatever product there is they have. It's because wrestling Twitter, much like all of Twitter, really is a toxic cesspool of the worst sides of humanity. Like, that's, that's Twitter. It's wrestling Twitter. It's entertainment Twitter. It's like, yeah, and, and also, too, I think there's also, like, a, a misunderstanding sometimes of, like, people being, like, critiquing a product. You know, I, you know, I watch WDB, and, you know, I'm going to be honest with what I like and what I don't like. And I think sometimes... When people see something that they don't like, they kind of like the opposite side will jump on that. And because for me, like I criticize everything across the board. So even in, on New Japan, there are stuff I'll criticize New Japan about. There'll be stuff I criticize MLW, Ring of Honor about. And I think sometimes people don't realize they, they see the criticism about WWE and kind of, you know, attack that side of the, the fence. Well, he, well, on the other side of that, the reason that people do that, I'm one of those people that feels like I have to defend WWE all the time because I, there's no issue. I don't, I really don't think a majority of the people have who are WWE fans or diehards or shields, whatever you want to call them, have issue with anybody criticizing something with WWE. The issue is when you tell me that WWE sucks because, and everything else is better than it. No man, it's your opinion that you don't like WWE. That's fine. I got a problem that you don't like WWE. That's cool, but you have to throw it in my face and go out of my, go out of your way to attack something that I enjoy. And that's what it feels like. It feels like constantly WWE is under attack. That people want to make me feel like I'm stupid because I like WWE. Feel like I'm dumb because I like this wrestler or that wrestler. I'm a Roman Reigns fan, so you must be a fucking idiot. You know, shit like, like that's the prop. That's what it is. It becomes personal because it's not simply, well, you know what? You have this opinion. I have this opinion. We agree to disagree. Have a good day. That's not what it, that's not what it is on Twitter. It's I'm right and I have to be right. Because it's all about being tri- like everything else in our society. It's tribal, man. If you support this, you have to hate that. That's yeah, like I, that's the world say, we live in now. Apparently, I would say for like for me, one thing that I am excited about for for this whole thing is that I think competition is healthy, 
in most industries. And I think that history has shown that, you know, it's been good for WWE when, when Vince is a competitor. He loves to win. He likes competition. Um, and some of the best creative work that he's ever allowed or that, that he's ever done has been at a time when they were competing. Um, I would love like me personally, like I said before, I don't really like a lot of the things that WWE does current day. However, some of my happiest times and favorite memories and moments in wrestling come from WWE. If this turns into something where they start to give me more of what I like, like the way that they already are with NXT and 205 and some of their other various products like UK, then maybe someone like me who's jaded might even be this might actually bring me back to WWE versus sure. pushing me away from it. I would love for there to be three major worldwide companies with great wrestlers that produce awesome, you know, and what I consider entertaining wrestling. I would love that. And I hope that happens here. And, and you, you guys are a perfect example of Josh very rarely watches WWE. Jeremy watches WWE, but kind of, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure you enjoy some of it, but I know you're not the biggest fan of, like, main roster stuff, but, so I don't know if it's out of habit or whatnot, but you guys have massive criticisms of the product. I've never had an issue with you guys, because you guys have never attacked my opinion, because your opinion is different, and vice versa. I have massive criticisms of New Japan, but I've never attacked you guys' opinion. It's always been, well, man, I feel this way. How do you feel? Well, this is why I feel this way. You tell me how you feel. Oh, well, I get it. I may disagree with you, but I, and then we move on. And it's all love. That's what we can do. If on Twitter, it's not that. On social media, it's not that. You don't believe me? Go to the rest of the square circle. I, I attack you guys' uh, takes on stuff when I'm listening to the show in my car. That's or fine. at my debt. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. In the moment, and to yourself, I respect that. I can accept I'll be that. Si- I'll be sitting there, and I'm like, no, Rance! <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong! Damn it, Rance. <laughs> but, Emotion. But, 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 but I don't go on Twitter and be like, Rance, you idiot! Daniel hey. Bryan rules! <laughs> jo- Josh got hey, burned on Twitter, bro. Yeah, Rance and I have agreed, man. Daniel Bryan was Daniel Bryan is right right now. The fans are fickle as fuck, and they don't know what they want. <laughs> Daniel Bryan is right. Hey, the real Captain Planet. He knows. Telling the truth. Yeah, you want to know what the most? You want to know what the most hilarious thing about this whole new Daniel Bryan is? Is watching Rich watch it. Oh my God! Because <laughs> Rich is still on the Yes movement. Rich will never let that die. And he's not like, dude, here's the thing. The Yes Movement was awesome, but I love Daniel Bryan, and I always thought Daniel Bryan did great stuff with the heel. I've, I'm really enjoying this run, but watching Rich see, like, hear Daniel Bryan say, yes, is dead, and just <laughs> see, like, Rich's soul, Rich's soul, like, just, like, die, it's, it's pretty funny. It's like... The it's- only thing about the new Daniel Bryan that I don't like, and it's not Daniel's fault, the only thing about the new Daniel Bryan that I don't like is I don't like this world we live in where advocating for, like, people oh, who yeah. do something about climate change makes you a bad guy. I don't like that. That's not his fault, but I don't like that. It makes me feel dirty. I like um, where we'll watch Daniel Bryan, and he's clearly doing incredible work. He's cutting an amazing promo. He's wrestling an incredible match. And I just look over at Rich, and he's salty 
and <laughs> and he's sitting there and and like all he's thinking is he's like man this company fucked up the biggest layup in 20 years like, <laughs> like he like he's living in the past and i like i told him at the time i'm like they're not gonna push daniel bryan and i told him that and he's like nah they got to and then they went a different way and they did now they are but he yeah he's not having it bro like he's yeah, we were when I saw that yes is dead shirt. I think it's kind of hard. Like I like it, and he's like, "Shit's whack." <laughs> I understand. You know what? Though? I give him the benefit of the doubt about this. I understand the feeling because I am not here for the new Miz. This Miz and Shane McMahon shit must stop. Dude, yeah, fucking up my Miz. I mean, one half. You mean one half of the future tag team champions? Yes, I mean one half of the future tag team champions. How dare you fuck up my Miz and bring back Aiden English? What happened to his dulcet tone? Here's what I do know: AEW said that they're reaching out, trying to get all the best wrestlers in the world. Ain't nobody called Shane McMahon, right? <laughs> as Tony Khan, as Tony Khan called Shane McMahon to give him the bag of money to get the best in the world. Do the you think? Besties. Besties. Here's the here's the better question: Do you think if Tony Khan called Shane, would he answer the phone? Shane's a business I, man. He I always answered a phone. I don't know what, what Shane's phone policy is. Like, for me, I don't answer <laughs> numbers that are not saved in my phone. Real talk. So I see ra- random numbers call me. I'm like, decline. <laughs> what smell? Yeah. Here, here's here's a serious question. If Vince thought Shane, if Vince thought Shane well, Shane will at least answer the phone. Like, I'm going to listen to what you're going to say. I might still tell you no, but, like, talk to me. How many dollars are we talking so here's a serious question. Since we're talking about the best in the world, we've been talking about AEW. Do they have enough money to get CM Punk to come back and wrestle? Fuck CM Punk. Who cares? Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm on that kick too, but there, enough money doesn't exist. You really don't think that – I'm just asking you guys' opinion. No, I legitimately no, think I – I think he hates wrestling so much at this point that he will never go back. He's finished. He's gone. Now, I, will, I, I don't – I don't think he'll ever roll out like a, an appearance just to do something, not not to wrestle, but like show up, hey, get some, get a bag, and keep it moving. And I think he'll but do that done. because I think he's still friends with the Bucks outside of the wrestling stuff. So I think he would agree to do like, oh, I'll do like, I'll make an appearance or something, but like he he ain't getting back in the ring. Yeah, that's done. I would say yeah, it's probably unlikely, but I'm not going to rule it out 100%. I just feel like him doing that uh, that little autograph signing at All In was like a little tip of the cap. And I'm just not ready to completely say, like, no, he, they would never bring him in. I mean, you know. I think they would do it. I think they would do it if he Punk was willing. That's it. not what I mean at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would absolutely do it. I don't think he wants to. I think if I'm them and I'm trying to get a big star and I'm trying and so many of the big stars are getting locked up and so many, already like everyone's yeah. getting locked up. Yeah. I would do whatever it takes to get them. Two things to that. Two things to that. Number one, the only way they're really going to ascend to being a big time company is if they sign guys who aren't known and make them known. They need to do that more than sign castoffs. And number two, if they they better not sign Coca Banner because if they sign Coca Banner, Punk is done. <laughs> and it's I would over. I would say that you have to do both. You can't just build a company off of guys that are unknown. No, right, 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 right. But that's what that's what it sends you to the next level. But, 
No, right. get some people that are moderately known and make them bigger. Sign sign my boy Eli Drake. Dude, Give him it, a bigger audience. It's, it's gonna be a mix of what we're all saying. They're gonna need they're gonna need rookies. They're gonna need moderate known names. They're gonna need Jericho sized names. It's, it's gonna need a mix of all of it. And um, yes, you do want to establish new stars. You need the Jerichos to attract wrestling fans that don't know about the elite or about what exactly AEW is to bring them in. Then you bring in some, you know, the cat like Eli Drakes or your Zack Ryder's or Dolph Ziggler's guys that are probably not happy or want to be, you know, in a main event picture. You bring those guys in. Then you bring in some, you know, young and upper up and coming guys, guys like, you know, a Leon Ruff or, um, you know, some of these other young, younger guys on the indie scene. And you kind of do a blend of that. You know what's funny? How long ago was it, Kyle? I wrote a column literally laying out how to beat WWE. And they're doing so far everything I wrote. Wait a minute. Rance likes to, be no- Rance likes to say he's Nostradamus, and I just kind of let him roll with it. <laughs> Rance, Rance, you get you getting some of this con money? Ain't, ain't telling us. Oh, Eric, get- you think I would let Rance get away with having con money and not helping <laughs> me out? Listen, listen, Rance's the greatest worker of all time. Everyone's been saying he's a he's a McMahon in disguise. He's really a con in disguise. He's been working hey, double, this whole time. Don't give up. Get it two checks. (laughs) And don't sell me out, bro. Keep it. Hey, this this part this is redacted. This part of the podcast will be redacted. Secret safe with them. Jacksonville boardroom. (laughs) I mean, I'm not gonna say they asked me to be a producer, but. I mean, on. if they'll let Billy Gunn be a producer, they'll let anybody <laughs> produce. Where, where were you? Where were you on Tuesday, Rance? I plead the fifth. <laughs> All I know is that y'all are gonna change the name of this show to All Elite Edge. <laughs> well, no, hold on. Before we do that, we got we're gonna have to change it to Tongan Edge or something like that because I don't want to smoke with the. I'll take smoke with the Elite before I take smoke with the Tongans. <laughs> the the Gorillas That's- Edge. Yes. <laughs> yes, the gorillas. Day. I mean, well, that is the intro to the to, to the show. Yeah. Yeah. What you What you guys think of the new fire or the new the new music? It's it's fire, I mean, man. It's hard, but it's fire, but it's hard to fuck with that original. Like, I'm saying, dog, that original just make you kind of wanna. The <laughs> 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 bass bumps in that original. Like, I just always want to get my Tomatonga face paint. Like. Grow that freaky little triangle beard he's got going, and like with the little, with the little hint, hair. the little hint of salt and pepper. Yeah, when when his Troy Palomalu locks and just like, yeah, fucking yeah, all right, bad boy. So so going into 2019, do you guys have any big predictions? For, in fact, that's that's how I wanted to end the show. Thank you for bringing that up to me. I want to end the, end the show with us kind of giving our predictions on what we think people might end up signing. Um, so in terms of big predictions, uh, I, I still think Kenny signs WWE. I do, but I don't think it's going to be long. I think it'll be two years. If it, if it, if they make him sign three, he'll have an out in two years. Um, because he'll know he'll never, he'll never get a chance to do it again. And he'll always be able to go home to AEW. Um, I think that. Um, actually, I think that while Shane Strickland has been basically guaranteed to go WWE, I think he flips and goes to AEW. Um, 
Anybody else that I'm missing? Who else is possible for agents? The Lucha Brothers do not go to AEW. I think they re- they stay in Impact. Didn't they just re-sign with Impact? They're technically signed to Lucha Underground. Is that even a thing? I thought they recently just re-signed with Impact. Maybe they did, but last I, from what I from what I heard, I could be wrong. If I am, I, I apologize. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the Lucha, Lucha Bros are interesting because they work Impact, they work MLW, they also, they also work, you know, Indies, they also work CMLL and AAA. So I'm not even sure who they're exactly really tied to right now. I think they're signed to Lucha Underground, but they can do all that because Lucha Underground isn't filming. Gotcha. The other thing too is they. Um... That's gonna happen again. Yeah, we don't even know if it's gonna gonna happen again. I'm trying to figure out who's out there. That needs to get signed, you know? I'm like, who are we speculating on? Like, Marco Stunt, Brian Alvarez, like, who's left? Brian Alvarez. Uh, David Brian Alvarez. Ar- David Wait, Brian, are we talking Brian Alvarez as the wrestler or Brian Alvarez as the commentator guy? Brian Alvarez is the co-host of Wrestling Observer Radio. He's a wrestler. No, no, I'm but saying, who, how, what are they going to sign him for? To oh. wrestle or to, to be He's the one commentator? Of the top- He's one of the top indie talents on, on, on the independents, just out of, like, process of elimination. There's no one left. Everyone's gone. Oh, okay. okay. It's just him. Got, I got it's you like, now. It's like him, Marco, Nick David Gage, Arquette. Nick Gage. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think Nick Gage um, will never get signed anywhere. He's, like, one of the few guys. He's going to stay exactly where he's at. Well, to be fair, we said the same about Teddy Hart, and Teddy Hart is the middleweight champion in, in, um, in MLW. That's because Court Bauer has a magic wand where he okay. can make make Teddy Hart and Low Key behave and make those two guys the two biggest stars in the promotion. Oh my God, Low Key is freaking awesome in ML. I mean, he's always been awesome, but in MLW, he is awesome. Have you guys been? You guys watch he's MLW at all? Never been. Low Key's problem has never been how good he is in the ring. Low Key's problem is he's a colossal dick. No, that's true. But, but Court Bauer somehow been able to tame him and Teddy Hart. It's it's not the in ring work, guys. It's his character work. And I know I know you're all about that character work, Rance. Absolutely. Is he still Is doing it? the uh, the hitman character? Yes. And it's and it's working. And he's cutting the bro. Suddenly, I don't know where it came from because it was never there before. He's like a top ten in the world promo. Suddenly, really. Like he's one. He's like one of the best Mike guys in the business right now. Yeah, he's. Been phenomenal. He talks like he changed his voice. He talks like he's Bane from uh, Dark Knight uh, okay. Rises, and he's just like, "Ladies and gentlemen, like I don't know what the deal is like, but the way he's talking is like it's just it's epic. Like it's really good." That reminds me of somebody yeah. we didn't talk about. I can see AEW signing M- MVP to be a producer. I got an AEW name for you of somebody who recently departed from Impact, who I would love to be exposed to a bigger audience. Um, Lee. Trevor Lee? Uh, Trevor Lee, yeah. And Andrew Trevor Everett. And Andrew Everett. They're in next to A little bit of stuff with Ring of Honor now, but like... Uh, another, free, Lee, another free agent that, that just left uh, Impact is uh, DJ Z. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love, oh, yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Sign I would both see, of that. Yeah, I would love to see D- DJ Z get a nice spot. You know, um, I've been watching him for a while. I'm DJ seeing a lot Z of his would work. also fit in on 205 Live, just like throwing that out. There. Well, and 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 um, Drake Maverick has actually called, shouted him out by name. 
saying oh, he did? He, yes, saying he's injured and signed. Yeah, DJZ would fit in real well on 205. Can we talk about some women? Yeah. What women do you think are going to sign to AEW? Because it's Brett, it's Britt Baker, Penelope Ford, and Brandy if she's going to wrestle. You got to have well, more than that. Well, you know, um, Brandy kind of alluded to the fact that they're having sit-down talks with, you know, Joshi wrestlers over in Japan, like with Stardom, that sort of thing. And I really wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of those girls make their way over to the States. It doesn't sound like what they're – because we talked about exclusivity. It does not sound like with some of these uh, overseas companies that they're looking to sign them to exclusive deals, but that they're looking to forge relationships to bring these people in on part-time basis and allow them to continue to work in their uh, – you know, and which, which is a good idea for the time being – so I wouldn't be surprised if like a Mayu Iwatani or like an Arisa okay. Nakajima or some of these chicks come in. Um, I know that she's been tied to WWE, but like she kind of goes to the beat of her own drummer. Like I don't know why Miko Satomura couldn't come in. I, someone told me today, well not told me, but I saw someone say on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, but I, I feel like I feel like, I feel like it was somebody with some credibility that Miko just doesn't want to sign a contract. Otherwise she would have been WWE bound already. That's probably true. Probably true. Um, you know, another lady that, for some whatever reason, no major company has signed her yet, Santana Garrett. No, she, um, signed, she signed a while. She, she signed oh, that's Woman of Wrestling. Yeah. And, and they're debuting their new show, so that's, that's going right, to be a thing. On Access TV, yeah. yeah. But um, still, I, I still think, like, she's somebody that who should be in WWE or Impact or All Elite. They, they need to. They need to sign Madison Eagles. Oh, the, yes, the gun the show. The Eagles. gun show. Madison Eagles, absolutely. Rachel Ellering. Yes, Rachel Ellering. Mercedes uh, still isn't signed, I don't think. Yeah, Mercedes Martinez. Um, i trying to think who else is out there. Piper is supposed to be signed with WWE, which is going to be big for them. They tried to sign her, and they didn't get her. Well, there's rumors that – I thought She's rumors signing- were yeah, like she's about to about to sign like right now. No, no, no. I mean AEW tried to get her and she turned him down. She went to WWE instead. Right, right, uh, right, right. Oh, okay. Right. What's the interesting thing to me is if this if the whole pay thing, if the pay if the baseline pay for women is exponentially raised, when what would that make the women in WWE and NXT think? Well, it could hypothetically create a scenario where WWE has to change their business practices. It wouldn't be the first time that they that they've ever done that in the '90s. There were times where they they changed their pay structure because of what the outside companies were doing to stay competitive. Right. So maybe that would be a positive for everybody. I think it would be because there's no reason. Josh and I talked about this earlier, personally, but there's no reason that. I don't think any woman right now is making over a million downside. And four of them should be making a million downside at least. I think you brought up some really interesting things, though, Rance, that I do agree with when you mentioned, you know, what does comparable pay even mean? Because for, like, the layman, like, you or or I, we would assume, okay, well, then if they're going to come in on this base level, then maybe you're talking about, like, a tier system of pay. That's what it sounds like almost, or that's what your mind would naturally gravitate to. But in the wrestling business, they've ne- – and maybe they're going to buck the system and just do do something different. But historically, you don't get paid based on a tier. You get based, 
you get uh, paid based on your position in the company, what you produce, what you bring in for revenue and merchandising. And how do you equate that between men and women and vice versa? And how do we even know what they're really going to be doing? Because it's not going to be a a public company. We're not going to be able to go through their records and say, you know, these promises they're making, they're really upkeeping it. We have no idea if this is just an arbitrary sentence or what criteria they're really actually using to determine how two wrestlers are of the same value. Right. And, and what, what Brandy was saying on Twitter, how, what she said is like, you know, an entry level, you know, man will get paid the same as an entry level woman. So to me, they're still kind of using the traditional pro wrestling, you know, obviously like uh, Chris Jericho level star and Kenny, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega are probably gonna get paid somewhere around the same scale. If they bring in a woman, that's going to be on a, for, let's just say, Wild scenario. Let's say Becky Lynch leaves WWE. I'm sure Becky Lynch would probably be one of the higher paid women and would probably get paid somewhere in that higher range. Maybe not as high as Jericho, but maybe in that kind of Jericho Omega range just because of her popularity right now. It's a it's a very tough place to doubt. You want to say something? Oh, I got nothing on this one. Yeah, it's just a very it's a very tough place to navigate which is the reason why i'm criticizing them saying something in the first place because when you say equal pay now all these conversations just just the arbitrary line equal pay breeds all these questions when you could have just said we're aiming to to fix the wage gap that would have no, there would be no questions there'll be no questions a, at all here's the other thing maybe hypothetically and let's say positive maybe they have some really incredible business plan in place that we're so. just not that we're just not privy to. And so when they say that, it actually means something concrete. And maybe it doesn't. Who knows? We don't know. We won't know one way or the other. So we'll never be able to actually tell. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe maybe they do. Maybe they, maybe they have like this really great business plan and they're going to be able to lay it out to the wrestlers and everyone's going to love it and it'll be you know revolutionary. Who knows? Final question. Does Goldberg sign with AEW and do you think he should? And fuck no. (laughs) So I had a conversation with Rich the other night and, you know, he's very excited about this thing. I'm excited too, but he was talking about like, you know, there's a lot of guys that might jump over to AEW hypothetically, you know, Mm -hmm. let's, you know, like a talent, like let's say someone who's underutilized, who has star potential, but maybe he's not used right. Like let's say a Mojo Raleigh, maybe his career's not going right. Maybe a guy like that sees an opportunity elsewhere to make more money. And my whole thing has always been this. It doesn't matter what level they're at, whether they're at the NXT Largo Loop level or whether they're John Cena. It could make a lot of sense to jump if they have a good enough distribution deal. If they got a good enough distribution deal where they can pay you enough money and you're going to be in front of enough American homes and it's going to make you a big star, then on any level they might be able to go including a Goldberg. I would say absolutely. If I'm AEW and I can sign Bill Goldberg and and I'm Bill and they have a like they have a distribution deal that actually makes sense, 100% 100% it makes a lot of sense, you do it. Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, obviously money talks. If, if I'm Bill Goldberg and Tony Khan, Cody and the Young Bucks are like we're going to pay you you know, mad as an amount of money to have a match at double or nothing, I'm going to take the deal. Um, so it just all depends. Like it's, it all depends on what kind of deal they offer him. 
Now, do I want do I want to see Goldberg in AEW? Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess it all depends. Like, who is he going against? Like, what what exactly is his role going to be? I mean, the I, I did enjoy the Goldberg run um, against Brock Lesnar. Um, they had the best five minute match um, ever. Ever. One of the best five minute matches ever. No, no, no. That's not better than the Giant versus Ming from Nitro in 1996. I said one of, <laughs> not the best. <laughs> I gotta go um, back and watch that. So it just all depends on how they utilize him. I mean, if they if they find a creative way to utilize him, go for it. But you know, my current taste in wrestling, I'm more about um, athletic in-ring, you know, the epic 20, 30-minute matches, the you know the the elite style, the New Japan style of wrestling, and so obviously Goldberg is not that. So it just all depends on how they use him. And I would argue that most of the the, the major fans of AEW would be the same way. Right, yeah. Well, I think the thing, though, is that in order for this to be a viable company and to succeed, they do not have a large enough fan base to carry this company. They have a very loyal, small, relatively speaking, small fan base. And, you know, it can't always be this grassroots indie rah-rah, us against the system, we did it, because this company is the system now. It's a large corporation, and they're going to have to create new um, new fans who are what we would consider casual viewers, just like WWE has casual viewers. They're gonna have to create casuals, right? And from, yeah, from a business a business standpoint, it makes all the sense to get Bill Goldberg. Bill Bill Goldberg equals ratings. Bill Goldberg equals eyes on the product. He 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 means bringing back people who haven't watched wrestling in a long time. Right. The other the other thing too is like the you can tell me all day that these diehards won't like. Bill Goldberg coming back, but guess what, man? I I watched all those legends from WWE walk into the ECW arena, and everybody popped, even though they hated Sid Vicious, and even though they hated all these guys, they always pop. At anytime someone jumps um, from one company to another, that's one of the things that made the Attitude Era so exciting. You can't tell me that if you're at an AEW show and Bill Goldberg shows up that that, that people are not going to lose their mind. I think it'll be interesting to see because one of the biggest criticisms I see from wrestling fans of the WWE who are upset or disenfranchised is simply this. Um, a lot of the decisions they make are for the bottom line, not for the betterment of the entertainment aspect. You know what I mean? And fans, a lot of fans will say, fuck that, I don't care about business, I'm just a wrestling fan. Well, if you bring Bill Goldberg in, that's strictly only for the bottom line of the wrestling company and not for the betterment of the entertainment. So I would really be curious to see if they'll swallow their pride and say the opposite of what they said before. Because I'm a big person, who I'm big on keeping that same energy. Yeah, and here's the thing with Goldberg. And <clears throat> the Young Bucks and Cody, they're, they're very smart guys. And I, I think if they get Goldberg, they're not going to put Goldberg in a 20-minute, you know, main event match and expect him, you know, to be doing, you know, Fosbury flops and suicide dives. If they bring Goldberg in, they're probably going to do some kind of five-minute Brock Lesnar-type match, and it'll be great. Yo, if, I, if I'm them and I got Bill Goldberg, I put him against Kenny – and I and I put and him and Kenny put on the greatest five minute match that has ever occurred in the history of the business. That's what I do. Yeah, just spe- spears and V triggers. Spears and V triggers. That's all. So <laughs> That's so so the upgraded version of the upgraded version of spears and F fives. Yes. 
And on the on the same token, if Kenny goes to WWE, I want Kenny and Brock so badly. Like, Who? absolutely. Can, yes, that would be one of the greatest matches of all time. If if Brock is if Brock's game for it, sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Brock's gonna want to, you know, step his game up to work with the most talented wrestler of a generation. I'm pretty sure. Brock don't even know who the fuck Kenny Omega is, bro. Chill. I, I guarantee you that Brock Lesnar knows who Kenny Omega is because guess what? Paul Heyman knows who Kenny Omega is. Brock knows who Kenny is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And if, and if he doesn't know, Paul's just gonna be like, "Oh, this is the best wrestler in the world." And Brock's gonna be like, "All right." And Brock's gonna be like, "Okay, <laughs> let's do business." <laughs> Brock's going to be like, how many zeros will I get him? You're giving Brock way too much credit, but that's okay. I, I think I think Brock is one of the all-time most talented like wrestlers. He just underperforms all the time. But, he doesn't. He yeah, uh, Brock's great. Brock don't give a fuck. He doesn't at all. Where to check it? No. Yep. How many zeros? That's not enough zeros. Hey. I'm going home. Hey, hey Brock, my truck. That con. Brock might try to get some of that con money. Yeah, don't be surprised if he doesn't try to finesse his way into some con money. Man, no, speaking of, no, I'm glad you mentioned that word finesse. You know, we call Jeff Jarrett the greatest finesser in wrestling history because he is. But, like, Brock Lesnar know how to finesse some checks, yo. Like, how, much, how many zeros were on that check Brock finesse to walk around the ring this past Monday? To be, to be fair, though, when we t- Jeff Jarrett don't do shit. Oh, yeah, no, Brock's way better oh than Jack. God. I'm not saying that, like, Brock's not, like, better than Jack, but, like, he finessed the fuck out of some dollars. I hope our building's not. Okay, so there's, like, we're looking outside of Strong Style Studios, and there's two fire trucks that just went by. The reason that I'm like, uh-oh, is because, like, earlier this year, one of these buildings, like, burned down. And I'm like, I hope it's not our building. <laughs> so we, need to, we might need to bring this to a close then. Crap, <laughs> crap. So, um, Tell them where they can find you, Strong Style Studio. Yes. So, yeah, you can follow us, the show, on Twitter, at K.I. Strong Style. You can follow me, at Jeremy L. Donovan. Of course, Social Suplex, at Social Suplex. Um, on Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. And, of course, we're in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group on Facebook. Um, yeah, we drop our show every Tuesday right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hit that subscribe button. And, you know, check us out. as all, all the other great shows. Our podcast is the number one New Japan podcast on the internet. Indeed. Back. Very true. Um, Kyle? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. Um, that's Big D and Big S. Little everything else. Um... You can follow me at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars, of course. Carl, still part of the show. Follow him at Outsider Curvin. The show is at Outsiders. I'm the show, y'all. It's Carl. Don't, don't, me and Rance don't tweet much. Rance just got himself kicked off Twitter for a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I was on Twitter, Joe. Yo, you were? For what? For tweeting the exact thing Hulk Hogan said on the racist tirade tape. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know, right? So Hogan can say it, but I can't. Let's, let's not even, yeah, let's not even, yeah. Yeah, okay, That's yes. That's my privilege if I ever saw it. <laughs> um, uh, yes, follow the show at Outsider's Edge. It's Outsider's Edge SS. As Jeremy said, once again, uh, don't forget to follow the show at, follow the network at Social Suplex. We're also 
Uh, simulcast on the Chair Shot Network at thechairshot.com, where you always use your head. Um, yeah, we appreciate you guys for listening, and um, let them let them let them out easy, Kyle. Ladies and gentlemen, we here at the Outsiders Edge are just a group of relatively young men out here chasing our dreams. So if we've said anything today, or our good brethren over at Strong Style Studios said anything today that you didn't like, that you disagreed with, that got you all up in your feelings, or that just rubbed you the wrong way, know that because we're following our dreams, you got to respect that. But also know that if you don't respect that, we don't give a fuck. Fuck them. I, I, actually, I, I actually care a little bit. It hurts my feelings. Like. <laughs> he ain't got no feelings. Don't let him lie to you. Save that for your show, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the no feel zone. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, man. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc